This video is sponsored by Silverstone. The innovative Ice Mist all-in-one cooler allows you to stack RGB fans on the water block, which can easily direct airflow to any hotspots on the motherboard, VRMs, or DRAM. Pick up the Ice Mist AIO today and equip your PC with the unique high-performance cooler. In this episode of The Full Nerd, we talk about uh, super, we supersize the 4070, and we put a pin in CES. Should have played that one better. Welcome everyone to episode 286 of the Full Nerd PC World's premier PC hardware podcast. The first official one back in the office uh, for 2024. I am your fill-in host, Adam Patrick Murray. I am joined today by two very special guests. The first one is already on the screen, Jeff from Craft Computing. Hello, Jeff. Hello. It looks a little different from this angle, but uh, happy uh, to be back. You've been you've been here in person, uh, and but unfortunately, we didn't see you in person at CES. So I was like, let's let's get Jeff on. I want to catch up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also we have a friend of the show, Will Smith. Uh, Will, you've been on many times, but uh, so I don't think you need an introduction. But uh, Will, who who are you? Um, I I uh, I was the editor of Maximum PC for a long time and launched a site called Tested. Uh, Never heard we ended it. up working with the Mythbusters on, on you know, ma- making cool videos about people who make stuff. But I've been a com- PC computer guy for a uh, hundred years, it seems like. Uh, and I run a podcast called Brad, called Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod right now. Always be testing. Did, did, have you ever met anyone that had always be testing like tattooed on them or something? Uh, I, do, let's see, I don't know anybody who's had it tattooed. We actually took always be... We liked that. That was we we took inspiration from a user's a username. One of a, one of our early first tested users' mm-hmm. name was always be clothing, and I was like, "That's really good." So we we <laughs> just were like, we just were like, "That's okay. always be testing." Oh, is oh the it motto. came from always be closing. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I never, it's I never like put two and two together. Three layer deep, Glengarry Glen Ross uh, coffee. No coffee for you, Adam. Today is the, is the TLDR. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Blue Bottle had a uh, saffron vanilla Nola. Which I usually love the Nolas and the saffron vanilla, vanilla version is not great. Uh, so is it a does it have the the, the 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 chicory in there? Is that what makes it a Nola? I, d- I don't remember what makes it a Nola. Uh, I just ask for it and sp- spend a lot of money and then they give it to me. It's usually <laughs> really good. Go. Uh, somebody else who got the saffron vanilla Nola is controlling the verticals and horizontals. We got Willis Sly. Hello, hello everyone. Uh, please don't mind me. I'm still recovering from uh, CES aftermath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from Vegas. We're 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 still tired. Uh, some of our crew unfortunately uh, got sick. Uh, Br- Brad's not able to be here uh, because of that. Um, and yeah. Luckily, we we're, we're just tired still, mm. still in recovering mode. I, I think it, it'll be a, probably through this weekend. I feel like it usually takes a good week uh, to get over the or to get back to a, a schedule uh, of sleep uh, that I appreciate. So, yeah, we're we're here to talk about CES uh, forty seventy super uh, reviews landed yesterday. I think you can buy them today. I'm actually going to go down to Central Computer and pick up a different GPU and and maybe see if they have a, a super on the shelves maybe i'll pick one of those up uh but if if you're not buying a gpu uh today maybe the 4070 super maybe you should wait for a giveaway i'm gonna wheel this in uh i was gonna talk about this before the break let's see if i can get this in the shot so amd the fine folks over at amd sent me these packages can you see this oh it's okay. kind of in front of the 
me move. There's this a lot a of boxes, bit. Adam. There's yeah. a lot of boxes, but it's a lot of cool boxes. Uh, let me let me show this off. This is the uh, the limited edition Starfield set. So um, yeah, Dibs. That's a big box, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call one. If, if if you haven't seen this, uh, we've got we've got a 79. Uh, no, I'm sorry, a 7800 X3D. So uh, this is actually the CPU I use in my gaming rig. Um, the, the actual CPU itself doesn't have anything special on it, but the box is all uh, Starfield branded. And then a, a limited edition uh, 7900 XTX Starfield edition. And this this GPU is beautiful. Uh, I, I don't care if you like Starfield or not. The the actual looks of this GPU are, are awesome. Uh, anyway... Uh-huh. The colorway on the side is oh I know and then, and then the the little bit of uh, blue orange and and red on the, yeah. the fins here really nice touches uh, and yeah so the the fine folks over at AMD had sent this before Christmas I was gonna do a giveaway before Christmas but unfortunately ran out of time but now that we're back and I have some time uh, I'm gonna be giving away five sets of these uh, to to some some lucky viewers so. If if maybe you're not in in the mood for a, a forty seventy super, maybe you should get a, a seventy nine hundred XTX uh, in our giveaway. Uh, I will hopefully hopefully by next show I will have the details uh, and can can point people to the to the actual giveaway. But uh, yeah, thank you thank you to AMD for uh, for sending that over. So yeah, those, those really good. Those, those yeah. are real nice, real nice. Uh, <laughs> the, really the color cool band stuff. on the side makes it like the Wesley Crusher edition. Oh, there you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm back out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, you're not a Crusher fan, huh, Will? Jeez. Oh, I'm a Crusher fan. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, well, and... Will, you're the one compensating with one too many L's in your name. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, I'm sorry. The giveaway is not going to be international. Uh, uh, that's a lawyer thing that uh, we have to deal with all the time. So uh, just going to be, just going to be. Uh, I, actually, I think it's even just the continental U.S. Uh, for that one. So more details to come soon. Uh, but we do have details right now of the RTX forty seventy super reviews. Uh, unfortunately, um, because of CES and and Brad being sick and whatnot, uh, we do not have an official PC world. A review of it but jeff is holding up his version of the yes. 4070 super uh you know so i needed an expert here uh to talk <laughs> about the review here and, and some testing i did watch a, a a ton of the videos and read articles and, and whatnot so we can kind of get the consensus kind of thing and then uh will has a, a vast amount of uh gpu knowledge that he can uh he can share as well um the i i guess so TLDR, the 4070 Super, is closer to a 4070 Ti than the original 4070. Uh, Jeff, is, is that how you would? Significantly so, yes. Uh, yeah, the, the original 4070, it was it was fine. It was serviceable, but it it's not really the value that anyone was looking for at that $600 price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I think, kind of very nicely fills that gap for a lot of people because there hasn't been a, a really exciting graphics card under 800 or or $1,000, I think, in quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And so finally, we have one at $600 that at least stacks up value-wise, like frame per dollar kind of thing with what we've been getting on the top end. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in my testing, it came within... Let me see the, the full thing. Uh, 7% within 7% of the 4070 uh TI. Uh 
And so, yeah, I, spitting I, distance of it. Right. And, and I, I feel like the con, the general consensus out there is like it's it's about 15 percent faster than the the non super 4070. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What's the what's the breakdown on on like architecture? It's it's a different memory bus width and different memory configuration and, and clock speeds. Is that the main main difference? Uh, it is. Uh, no, it's actually the same memory bus. It's still a 192 of oh. the uh, um, of the 46. 4070 non-super uh it same same amount of memory 12 gigs uh ddr6 x uh it uh increased the cuda core count from 5880 to i think 7160 7200 somewhere around there so like a 20 percent bump in cuda core count slight bump in frequencies uh a little bit different uh, uh performance tuning boost tuning uh yeah it's, so yeah the the 4070 ti super is the one that got the wider bus and the more memory got and then the 4080 super just got a price drop uh small small bump in performance but it's probably going to be negligible sorry yeah. i got confused with the 4070 4070 super 4070 ti and 4070 ti super it's how could you get confused not, that's not that's enough obviously it's yeah it's not easier, well you know it, it used to be that if it said you know if it was a 70 product whether it was a ti or a super it shared the same gpu die with all the rest of that product stack right. and well we haven't been following that rule for quite a while yeah. uh so uh yeah the the 4070 the 4070 Super and the 4070 Ti were AD 104 dies. Uh, the new 4070 Ti Super is an AD 103. So it's it's the Got larger it. larger die, larger bus. Yep. Okay. Uh, and also the so the the non Super 4070 is sticking around uh, at fifty dollars less than the 4070 Super, um, which is coming out at that original MSRP of the 4070, which is what six hundred dollars. Is that the so it's yeah. five 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 fifty and six hundred dollars. Uh, for five fifty with that forty seventy non super, that doesn't seem like a great deal. That is a terrible deal. In fact, uh, I started my video out by saying Nvidia kept this card around at five hundred and fifty dollars. Don't buy it. It sucks. Don't uh, uh, compared to everything around it. Dude, the value is bad. Well, the value is a terrible proposition at that th price. This, point. this feels like this feels like what AMD has been doing, right? The seventy seven hundred XT and the seventy eight hundred XT were just fifty dollars apart. The seventy nine hundred XT and the seventy nine hundred XTX were fifty dollars apart. Uh, this feels like kind of one of those upsell kind of things, unless the forty seventy street is actually maybe closer to like a hundred dollars cheaper if if that happens do you think then that that's a an okay equation to maybe if, jump on if if i think the 4070 non-super starts clocking down to maybe 475 or maybe even 450 i think that's a, a fair price point to have it out you're you know almost 15 18 cheaper it's 15 18 slower so i i think that's a fair deal but at 550 it doesn't make any sense. Well, sometimes those boards also linger either because they have a ton of inventory that they're trying to unload, in which case the prices will go down on the retail shelves, yeah. or alternately, they continue to exist because the OEMs need specific GPU price points in order to hit um, hit the the, the the price marks that they want for the full configured system. And like, I, I my guess is we'll end up seeing those forty seventies in like HPs and stuff like that that you buy at Best Buy versus something you would build yourself. Is, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, testing wise, <clears throat> oh, I should also say that uh, it does have a a twenty watt increase um, at the, at the the max end of the the TGP, and so it, it is a, does take a little bit more power. But Jeff, did you feel like that was uh, 
a big deal? I didn't test overall system power in in my review of it. I was mainly looking at performance, specifically, again, around that $600 price point mm -hmm. on there have been a number of people who have been holding on to older high-end graphics cards from Pascal and Turing. Is now the time to finally take the leap and and spend the money and and upgrade your card? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was testing cards all the way up to like 350 watts of draw. And so, it's like, yeah, it's going to draw less power, but... I wasn't testing directly against the old 4070 or anything like that. So. I actually, honestly, I got to say, I love, I love the way you tested because number one in their marketing, they were like, oh, hey, it was a 3090 for a 4070 super pricing, which a 3090 came out at what, a thousand dollars? No, no, sixteen hundred. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for half, less than half the price, you're getting a 3090 and it was close. Your numbers showed it like, it depended yeah. on the game, but you know it was anywhere from four percent slower to four plus percent faster. I guess. Yeah, the, the, there were a couple of games that uh, that flirted with double digit differences. I think Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It was about eight percent slower mm. uh, than the thirty ninety was, uh, but it also pulled out some some wins. Uh, Red Dead Redemption. It was three percent faster. Uh, uh, I think uh, Cyberpunk uh, and Doom Eternal were both a little bit faster. Uh, so. I would expect Cyberpunk with the ray tracing stuff on to see a pretty significant performance improvement over the previous gens, given especially if you flip on the DLSS 3.5 stuff and given the, the larger number of CUDA cores. Yeah, I, I was going to do a DLSS testing in a follow-up video because uh, I did a 13-game suite, both ray traced and not, and uh, it was, what, 648 data points or something like that that I yeah, went over. The uh, matrices get nightmarish and, and really quickly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cyberpunk at 1440p, I see the 4070 Super being about 3.5% better. Uh, and that's with ray tracing enabled, uh, ray tracing ultra. So the the thing that you did, I think, is is really serving the 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 users well, uh, Jeff. Because like when we were doing when we were looking at what the min spec should be for the Anacrusis, we were looking at the Steam hardware survey to see what kind of cards people have. Mm -hmm. And there, like until very recently, there like the number one card was a twenty sixty or twenty twenty eighty kind of went up and down, right? Yeah. Uh, with five percent of the overall Steam market, and and. Those are the people that desperately need to upgrade now because they're not seeing the benefit of the new the, you know, the like they don't they frankly they don't have enough cores to do ray tracing in a, in modern in a modern context for the most part. Right. Um, uh, yeah. And and that's kind of what my testing showed is especially if you have a, a Turing based GPU and you want to do some ray tracing stuff, those first gen RT cores are not <laughs> are not holding up to anything this uh, in this day and age. You know, yeah. it, it was interesting though because you used a. 2080 Ti, right? Um, yeah. And it was kind of curious to see the performance differences over the 2080 Ti, but then you also included a... Well, you didn't have a 1080 Ti on hand, so you used a Titan XP. Uh, yeah. T Titan X, non-P, oh, but sorry. the Pascal version. <laughs> so ex basically exact same card as the 1080 Ti, uh, NVIDIA's wild naming scheme. Like, <laughs> hey, let's just rebrand mid-cycle every six months. <laughs> right. Uh, so it, it was kind of fun to see... The differences on that so i mean essentially you're talking about the the top end for the 10 series top end for the 20 series top end for the 30 series against mm -hmm. a 4070 which is or i'm sorry a 4070 super uh right. which is kind of a, you know what is a quote-unquote mid-range but the pricing on all those were way closer well, i guess not the 3090 but for the 2080 ti and the titan xp uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the 2080 Ti debuted for a thousand dollars, I think. The 1080 Ti debuted for I think 799. Uh, I know the Titan XP was I think 1200, but that was kind of an outlier. Mm -hmm. 
but uh but yeah i i, I kind of wanted to show uh where the high watermark for your generation of card would sit mm -hmm. and so you know you you know if you run a 1070 hey i was you know 40 or 50 percent slower than a than a you know 1080 ti i can extrapolate that data because you tested my exact architecture now so i wanted to make sure i had something from each generation well and then on the amd side you had a 6900 xt or 6900 xt yeah, yes. yeah right which uh yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I hadn't looked at street prices for a while until you said the street prices that you saw. And then it was like, dang, for, for roughly the same amount as a 4070 Super, like, it's actually still a pretty good card. It really is. 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, I Street pricing, I was seeing like $545 for a 6900 XT. I think the... I think the 6950 XT, which is about five or six percent bump, uh, was like six hundred and fifty dollars uh, on Amazon, brand new today, like shipped to your door tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that that really surprised me when I was uh, doing a little bit of research for this one. Yeah, well, and and Gordon's not here. Gordon is always like, "Oh, hey, why would you buy an older generation thing? You should get the newer, shinier, new generation thing." But yeah, still looking at, at Radeon six thousand series, like. I feel like there's there's still some damn good deals to be had. I know a lot of people swear by the 6800 XT prices right mm -hmm. now too, um, yep. for that that you know lower lower mid range quote unquote <laughs> end of the market. Uh, well, makes, I, oh, yeah. sorry, Adam. Well, I was just gonna I say, just say it makes sense to buy the older gen if you're if, if like if you play if you're not playing the brand new game every week, buying the older gen doesn't hurt you, right? If you're playing WoW, if you're playing uh uh dota 2 if you're playing stuff that doesn't have graphics updates and doesn't do ray tracing and all that stuff you're fine and you're you're living in a in a known fixed space so it totally makes sense well, i and, can't tell you how much streets of rogue my 3090 has played in its day yeah <laughs> nice well and then also if you think about it too take out ray tracing which uh you know we can have a debate about ray tracing uh mm -hmm. in a little bit if we want to but a lot of people are still like yeah i don't really care it's not in uh, you know enough games for me to care about if you're just talking about pure raster then i mean like your numbers were show I, I don't think at 1440p any of them dipped below 120 fps non-ray tracing right no uh no ray tracing uh let me so i mean we're, we're talking about 1440p high refresh rate gaming on all these cards um, yeah uh which are my which i mean with the 3090 if you paid 1600 dollars uh, you know you, you would hope it, it would <laughs> uh ray traced results uh the 4070 super uh across uh, i think i did five rtx games uh was 106 frames per second on average low of 53 mm. uh 4070 ti 115 2080 ti still did 70 70 frames per second and uh and low of 41 at 1440p I mean, at, at 1440p With no, ray upscaling. Tracing, no upscaling wow okay. straight yeah. Actually, yeah um and and i pointed out in the video if you are still on a 60 hertz monitor, you don't need more performance than that, uh, unless you're doing competitive gaming or, or something like that, but you're not on a 60 hertz monitor if you're yeah. doing that. Um, yeah, 6900 XT averaged 74, and the 3090 did 98. And so all of them were hovering, you know, in that, you know, 75 to 100 FPS range uh, across the board. And, and that, yeah, once again, that's without any sort of up upscaling at all, whatever you think of frame gen, but, uh, you know, at least the, the upscaling itself, you know, mm -hmm. people generally be like oh yeah dlss is good depends on the implementation but it is it is usually something I, I feel like the crowd is now like oh yeah you know if dls is there I, I don't mind using it or at least at the the highest quality preset um, i use it on starfield all the time because oh, yeah, yeah. 
especially games where it, it's a little bit more reactionary as far as gameplay goes you need those fast reaction times tiny tinas and and starfield and games where you're trying to look down iron sights and and pick someone off you need more frames and you know who cares if there's an extra two milliseconds of latency i i'd rather have that than an extra 16 milliseconds between frames at 60 fps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so well uh recently nvidia was talking about how uh rtx has come to what 500 applications or ga- games and applications right uh mm-hmm. so i mean should should now we care about uh ray tracing will is 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 now when we should care it, it, it's always it depends on what you use your computer for right like this is this is where it always ends up if you're doing a video editing you've cared about kudo for a really long time if you're doing um if you're if you if you're just playing diablo 2 and have been for the last 10 years like a friend of mine who's like you know i tried i tried diablo 3 and 4 it's it's fine i just like the old one i just played the old one over and over again <laughs> he's fine on his pentium 3 500 it's gonna run <laughs> like that game runs great he's gonna have a great time um but yeah i i i don't like i care about ray tracing i think that the site the last cyberpunk update with the with the with that they did with what phantom liberty mm-hmm. finally convinced me that it's worth it's worth the hassle but mm-hmm. at the same time like i'm one step away from running Fortnite in dx11 mode like basically the switch renderer so i get 360 frames a second flat everywhere i go <laughs> because if i'm playing something competitive i'd rather have the frames so right yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm not competitive at all. I'm I'm a bells and whistles kind of kind of guy. So <laughs> make it shinier. Make make everybody look real real wet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to see my reflection on somebody's sweat on their forehead. Uh, yeah, get, you, get, yeah. get that gears of war look. You know? <laughs> exactly. The the drop of water runs down your your glasses and you see the whole world. Yeah, in the drop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Some Kojima stuff right there. <laughs> that actually really is. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. I right ray tracing is one of those things where i feel like it it's getting more and more accepted i mean it's obviously part of our future will it be the future i don't know how soon right you know until it's like oh you know everything can run richer i think it's not until consoles can do ray tracing better uh that that it's like oh okay well then you know it, it starts to trickle down well, this is this is the year the 1080s and the and the 2080s are going to suffer on the console ports, right? We're we're mm-hmm. we've moved. We're not seeing cross-platform console games, last gen, current gen console games releasing anymore. So when Spider-Man Two rolls out for PC on Steam, your min-spec GPU is going to be a three series, probably would be my guess, or, or they're going to do some heroics on the renderer to make it actually run on the on the on the older hardware, and people are going to be upset because. When you talk to players, they have a 2080 Ti that they bought now five plus years ago, and they're like, "I have a kick-ass gaming PC." I'm like, "I'm, I, I, I don't want to be the one to tell you." <laughs> I hate to break this but to you, but good. it was. It's still it's good. Really good. It's great, and I, like, but you don't have. You're not going to run the game that released on PS5 last fall on the exclusively on that PC mm-hmm. in 2024. The the one of the big news items out of CES was uh, was AMD dropping the the APUs for for eighth gen uh, or for eight thousand series yeah. uh, the eighty seven hundred G in particular. There's talk that that's going to be a sixteen fifty sixteen sixty class GPU on the integrated graphics side of things. Yeah, uh, I mean it's just a seven eighty M, so we are we kind of already know. 
right uh, what that performs like and i yeah, mean it's, it's I, a, I, I use it on the the handhelds all the time that's right so uh yeah it, it's the 780m I, I believe it's a slightly higher boost on on the new 8000 instead of uh instead of 1800 or 1900 megahertz i think they're running at 25 uh but we're gonna see a lot of those older generation cards especially anything below like 70 series be absolutely irrelevant even on indie games uh now that that power is available to consoles and and integrated graphics yeah well i i don't think i've gotten a chance to ask you jeff and maybe i haven't had a chance to ask you will either but do you think we'll ever get a really solid card under $300 like we did in the past? Or do you think that's just seeded to um, for, integrated for graphics? AP, yeah. I, I I think there's hope. Uh, it's it's right above my head here. Um, oh. <laughs> Intel Arc is, uh, is what he's pointing uh, to. We kind of got some very loose confirmation that Intel graphics have not been canceled for like a sixth time uh, at CES because they announced Battle Mage is coming to integrated on the later half of of this year. There's talk that Battle Mage might, you know, be a, a solid second generation product for them. And honestly, the the A750, A770, I'm gonna. I'm actually going to do a review video of those in particular, and I'm going to review them against the 7600 and the the RTX 4060 and go, where is the value at $300? And if you guys want competition, why aren't you looking, you know, at Intel or AMD? Why does why does Nvidia have 87% of the market share? Is it just it's the easy buy or is are there other reasons? Are there But you can't complain about no competition and then not yeah. go spend your money on someone else. I bet- and I will say when we were when we were in Taiwan, one of the videos we actually never ended up releasing with Gordon. Uh, but he, when we went to the electronics districts, and he was asking a lot of people who were selling GPUs, we would show up, you know, and, and they'd have their little stall, you know, of like PC parts and kind of stuff like that. And this is like in the uh, I can't remember the area of the electronics district in uh, Taipei, but all all of the booths you'd have like all of these nvidia cards and then tucked away in the top corner with like a bunch of dust would be a couple radeon maybe we saw one random arc here and there but uh, i remember gordon we yeah, we, he was trying to gather this information for um for a video but he was just like why why all this nvidia stuff does people not want to buy amd whatever and most of the people were just like hey like amd just does not have uh, you know, a foothold here in in Taiwan and in, in a lot of Asian countries is just like Nvidia all the way. Like AMD is mm-hmm. just either not an option or they don't, you know, um, they don't advertise or, or who knows. And they, a couple people were like, "Yeah, we're we're always so confused when YouTubers get on. And they're like, oh yeah, the AMD is the better buy here.' And they're like, we don't care. That's you know, we're just all Nvidia. So I mean, well, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a perception that the the the, the Nvidia cards have better drivers or better supported whatever across the industry and, and partly it's true though because a lot of the tools in the game pipelines are CUDA accelerated right mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. your your GPU light mass for Unreal for every Unreal Engine game that's come out ever only runs on a 3070 or newer card so that means the artist and the people who are doing those those light light renders are literally running NVIDIA cards because they can't do that work otherwise and, and as a result when it's time to buy machines for the studio, somebody says, Hey, what, what graphics cards should I get in these computers that go out to the engineers and the artists and the sound people and everybody on the team. And everybody just gets the same 3070 or 3080 or whatever. Um, so 
when the games are tested, they're tested almost exclusively on NVIDIA. At, uh, and this is like is big, big, small, medium across the board until you're large enough studio to have like a full QA team that has, you know, representative specs, uh, SKUs from every every piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. And until in, Intel and AMD pony up and work together to crack that SKU to hold on the on the on the on the game pipeline, it's not going to change. Like that, that's the thing that's, that's, that's the thing that's hurting them more than anything. Well, it still always boggles my mind though, because most of, or almost all of the, um, okay, uh, not the switch, but the, the, the PlayStation and the Xbox all, all run on AMD hardware. Mm-hmm. So at, at least in my mind, I was like, well, why wouldn't developers want to develop towards the AMD hardware? Cause they're targeting, uh, AMD specs anyway. Do you, do you have any insight into that? I mean, they are, uh, it's, but it's, it's, it, they're writing to different. So when they're, when you're, you still have to do the light mass stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. if you think about what it takes to generate light maps, if you do it on the GPU accelerated, it takes an hour per map on a, on a standard first person shooter level. If you do it on the CPU, it takes 12 hours. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether you're building for PlayStation or, or Xbox or whatever. Mm-hmm. If your artists are waiting on that every time they need to build a level, then it means that you're basically saying you can only do one commit a day and, and there's only one, it's a, it's a 24 hour testing loop on any changes you make to lighting in a game, mm-hmm. which is just, it's untenable. So yeah. it, it's, it's, and, and when you're testing the consoles, you're testing on dev kit hardware, which has completely different bottlenecks and completely different driver infrastructure, different APIs on the Sony side. Like you're, you're, you, you, the the testing for the consoles happens on the consoles, not on the dev PCs. I guess is the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we we have a, a Jerome Van Wamelen. I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name. Says a Unity dev here. Light bakes were not an option on Nvidia years ago because of the eight gig VRAM was ca- causing overflows, so it fell back to CPU light mapping. I bought a 6900 XT specifically for that. When I worked on a Unity game, we used a third-party plugin for the GPU light bakes that worked on. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, uh, like it's, all of this stuff is fraught. Also, and every studio's pipeline is different. It's <laughs> it's you know, yeah. It, anyway, I, look, back to the the forty seventy super stuff. I mean, I think uh, at least at least Brad's opinion uh, was that oh, this is kind of what the forty series should have launched at. Obviously, we haven't seen the the rest of the cards reviews from the rest of the cards all we have is a 4070 mm-hmm. super but you know th- this does kind of bring them in line with the you know uh somewhat of the perception honestly though i i thought there would still be more negativity of like oh it should still be cheaper or, or you know it should have more vram all that kind of stuff i, I was surprised My... by the amount of people who were like oh, okay you know this is not bad I think the reviewers, uh, I, I I watched, I think two others is all uh, on mine, but uh, I, I think the reviewers overall are very, uh, we like this card. Uh, it, it, it finally, like I said, it finally presents a good value. It finally presents a good upgrade uh, potential for, you know, some, some older holdouts. And at $600, it's a solid mid-range card at 1440p. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, there's... I got a number of comments though about this should have been what the 4070 was when it launched or mm-hmm. it still only has 12 gigs of VRAM how mm-hmm. is that even possible or 192 bit bus what are they even doing over there uh one comment in particular was really funny to me uh said uh, uh if you're coming from a, a 1080 Ti you've got 11 gigs uh you've got 
uh, essentially the same memory bus and and whatnot. He goes, well, yeah, the performance was 150% better, but you've got one more gig of RAM and 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 this memory bus. And why? What is that? How is that an upgrade? I went. Because it's 150% faster. (laughs) (laughs) The specs don't matter if it's still putting rubber to road. And and it's putting rubber to road just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also I I do feel like I I read in in, uh, more people being like, hey, this this is a solid 1440p and and still... it is much better handled for 4K. Obviously, the VRAM limits are a little bit more for 4K and, and the bus mm-hmm. width and things like that, but it is better equipped to handle that than the 4070 non-Super was. So, and, and if we're talking about where this card is positioned and what kind of rasterization power it actually has available to it, uh, this is a solid 1440p card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely did not handle 4K nearly as well. Um, uh, but still better and... than the non-Super. Better than the non-super, definitely better than the non-super. Um, but I wouldn't call this a 4K card, especially at you know ultra settings and like like we test as reviewers trying to make sure the graphics cards are being stressed to their absolute limit. Um, this is not a 4K card for that. So why would you pair it with 16 gigs of memory if you're never going to feed it that much textures or that that much memory allocation? It's a 1440p card. At 1440p, the largest uh, memory allocation I had in my testing was Cyberpunk at Ultra Settings with ray tracing enabled. It used 8.75 gigs. I was going to ask you, what, like, what are you doing in games that is actually using... Like, the only thing I can do to do all the memory is to do, like, like light bakes on Unreal or or mm-hmm. GPU compute tasks, not necessarily gaming tasks. Yeah, uh, in, in video editing, I work with uh, with ProRes footage, and so it, it eats up a lot of memory when you're mm-hmm. doing that. You know, uh, I, I upgraded to a 3090 specifically for video editing workflow, where I was, you know, eating up, you know, I've, I've eaten up 18 and 20 gigs before of my video memory doing that. In gaming, and again, at the resolution that this card is meant to be gamed at, which is 1440p, the biggest draw was eight and a half gigs. Yeah. Why is a... Why would NVIDIA put more memory in there for half of it to sit idle? That doesn't well, make they any can charge you more sense. for that card is the thing, yeah. Jeff. That's yeah. the that's the thing. Right. It's but, cheap but to add the memory and they charge way more than the memory costs right. on the but price then, of the card. But then everyone would bitch incessantly that the card is now six hundred ninety nine instead of five ninety nine, and it's a terrible value. And why would NVIDIA do this to me? And they're just right. It's like, <laughs> I mean, the the nice thing about market segregation at a $50 level and having the stupid, you know, the, the 4070, 4070 super 4070 TI 4070 TI super, which is really probably a 4080 slow rather than a 4070. I I don't know, (laughs) but like, like it, it gives you, if you want 16 gigs of Ram because you do stuff that actually uses, then you can pay more and get the card with 16 gigs of Ram, but everybody who doesn't need that doesn't have to. Cause, cause like realistically we're going to see games that are using 16 gigs of VRAM it, in the foreseeable future while this generation of console stuff is live i mean the one outlier that everyone likes to point to in the comments at least is doom eternal like you you crank it to ultra nightmare and it, it can use uh, a lot of vram but uh, you know it used less than cyberpunk even with ray tracing yeah really and it's, oh, okay. it's also the most outliery outlier of all yeah. time because it's a single game on a single well two games on one engine and like like we're not gonna yeah i well, like it, if you buy your video card for one game great but i'm and we, yeah. we have somebody in the chat that the other two examples uh, that, that people like to point out, uh, Christian in the chat says uh, Hogwarts Legacy and Last of Us, uh, you need at least 12 or more. 
Hogwarts Legacy, I also tested, uh, used about the same as Cyberpunk. It used eight and a half gigs with ray tracing at ultra settings. At 1440p. Yeah. At 1440p. Yeah. This isn't a 4K card. And mm-hmm. so at 1440p, where it's positioned, even looking into the future, it's going to be okay for three, four, five years probably still. Yeah. I think that that's where people get hung up is that they, they want to, they look at the 4K. Like even though it's a, the targeted at 1440p, they look at 4K as that will be the 1440p of the future. So how well does it do 4K now? And you know, like the they they feel like they get hamstrung a little bit because I mean, you know, in in the past, that's kind of how things were. But now there's a little bit more segmentation. I feel like I, I will say the time it took us to get from 1080p gaming to 1440 as a standard. Some people still say 1080p is the standard because oh, if you look at Steam hardware reviews and whatnot. If you can buy a $150, 144 hertz, 1440p monitor, 1080p is not the standard anymore. True. Uh, And that's always been my argument there. But uh, even with, you know, 4K resolution and high refresh rate monitors coming out, there's still four, five, six hundred $600 for, you know, the same 120 hertz at 4K. Uh, That's not the standard resolution and there's not enough power to drive those yet. That's what 1440p was at 60 hertz in 2012. You know, mm-hmm. no one ran 1440p because there was there wasn't a graphics card on the planet that could run it. And <laughs> even looking at, you know, uh, we've got the the 3090 here. If you want 4K and ray traced, it averaged 56 frames per second. Without upscaling. Yeah. Without upscaling. It averaged 56 frames per second. Which, I mean, for me, I'm like, okay, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> the, the, Look, 40, the 4070 Ti did 63. The 4070 Super did 60 exactly. Uh, you know, but lows in the thirties, which people say is not acceptable today. So I, I look, I get, I get people who tell me that sags down to 120 frames a second are acceptable. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you're an elite tier. I will, you know, hit, I, hit I, all I those indie game. I work on an indie game that's made by four people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, we're not call of duty over here, man. Uh, well, a c- couple more things, uh, before we get off this topic. The first one is, um, I did also see a lot of people or comments in our videos when we were talking about the 4070 or I guess all, all of the super refreshes and being like, oh, well, you know, are, are we just now desensitized to thinking like, hey, you know what? A mid-range card is going to be $600 uh, that we're, I can't remember the, the exact terminology, but like, oh, hey, we've just accepted it now. Will, do, do you think... Uh, do you, do you think we're, we've just accepted it now and the corporate overlords have had their way and and I, this is mid-range now $600? I, I mean, I think I think the 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 we're in a weird in-between place, right? Because we're looking at looking at what's happening with APUs on the AMD side and even integrated stuff with the ARC on Intel. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm 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 bullish on ARC as well, Jeff. Like I, I th- yeah. I'm excited that Intel has done this. If they can make it another year or two without killing it, then they might actually have something that that will take over a significant part of the market. Yeah. I I think that there is a market gap for sub five hundred dollar five three to five hundred dollar decent GPUs that aren't old that are current. I mean, typically we see that in like the the sixty series on the Nvidia side. Um, I I remain like let me put it another way. I think that the more expensive the perception it is to get into PC gaming, the worse it is for the overall industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you could a year ago or five years ago buy a sub. When I started playing PUBG, one of my friends bought a $700 PC to start playing PUBG with. This is 2017 when PUBG was the the kind of a, a hog, frankly. It was not mm-hmm. in a good performance state. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
we, we he was played games on that machine for like a year and a half until he's like i'm okay i'm gonna spend some real money and build a real pc i don't know that that's like the further we get from that the worse things get forever i agree I fully agree. Uh, one of the things that uh, that I've tried to address is this a good time to lead into the the, the way I review things? Mm, let's, let's hold <laughs> off for just for on. one more minute. <laughs> okay, one more minute. One yeah. more minute. We're, we'll we'll get to it. I promise. But uh, like okay. I, I uh, yeah I right because I mean people keep talking about the pricing. It's going up and up. Is it Nvidia just wanting to line their pockets? Is it uh, actual you know market market changes and inflation all this kind of stuff and and people still are feeling like this sh- this shit's just way too expensive still uh, I mean, that, that that if if, if or, or I guess usually ending on hey this is this is what it should be oh Nvidia should actually just be charging four hundred dollars for this uh, you know and that that anything above that is because they're it's just pure greed. We spent 20 years getting the easy upgrades, the easy performance upgrades, right? And we we're seeing this on the CPU side first. It's going to come to the GPUs eventually. Like the the as as the importance of rest, like the reason we the reason ray tracing exists. One of the reasons ray tracing it's cool is one of the reasons. But one of the reasons ray tracing exists is because we'd reached the limits of what raster was going to be able to do, right? Mm-hmm. We we weren't going to see performance enhancements on raster, so we needed to build new technology in that would fundamentally change the rendering pipeline and and move the bottlenecks away from where they were with raster raster renders to to what's happening with ray tracing. We're midway through that transition now. It's rockier than I think anyone anticipated. I think this current gen is the first one that's been really good kind of top to bottom at least so far the the previous one the high end was okay the low end was iffy uh, unless you were at a really low resolution or mm-hmm. made some big compromises and, and i i think you know the cards are just the physical cards that are being made now are fundamentally way more complicated than they were even five years ago if you look at it if you look at a 1080 board and a 40 40 90 board like it is shocking the amount of engineering that's gone to those. There are more layers on the boards is more like the, the everything's more dense. They're doing way more cooling. They're pushing more power into those boards. It, it's, it is, we're past the point where things are easy is I guess the answer to your question. I like, I don't think it's going to get cheaper. Unfortunately, I think what will happen is that the cheap older parts will continue being really, really good longer maybe, but, mm-hmm. but we're not in a, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's everything's expensive. Everything's more expensive than it was five years ago. I think everything's more expensive. I think uh, there was a time basically between 2010 and 2020 where uh, I think the hardware kind of outran the software development. And to, and to your point, there there was a lot of issues with, uh, you know, we were starting to, to max out, you know, what can we do with volumetric lighting? What can we do with this? And what can we do with that? Um, the The hardware reached a point where, you know, even a 1060 was averaging 100 fps on every game out of the box brand new at 1080p and and that was a what 240 dollar graphics card when it launched yeah uh we kind of got acclimated to that as i remember a time though you know in the you know mid 2000s building a gaming pc and going and spending five six hundred dollars and adjusted for inflation you know twelve hundred dollars on on whatever the the graphics card was you know my 8800 gts or, or whatever uh you would buy during that time um and that was required to play crisis and it sucked at playing crisis and so i think we're coming back kind of full circle 
to what you were saying is the software has now started going leaps and bounds because we're coming up with new development pipelines and new ways of doing things. And the cards are lagging a little bit behind. Yeah. Us as reviewers, I think there's there's always been this push when we're benchmarking to show what is the absolute limit of the hardware. And so we, we benchmark at max settings. Uh, realistically, we should start kind of tempering that expectation a little bit and and identifying, hey, this is a 1440p card. Does it need 24 gigs of VRAM or is 12 sufficient for where this sits in the market? And what can you do with 12 gigabytes of VRAM? Uh, is this a 1440 ultra card or is this a 1440 medium setting card? And what does medium settings mean in this particular title versus ultra settings versus all the bells and whistles? Uh, there's a lot more nuance than I think we've been giving the market credit for. Well, and and you have to remember the PC game cycle is inexorably tied to the console game cycle, right? Yes. So we're we're midway through this generation. The last one went long, which is part of the reason that the thing that you described happened, right? Yeah. But like the last ones were raster pipelines. So we were basically turning things into textures and then layering them on top of each other in novel ways over and over and over again. <laughs> and that that stopped when memory bandwidth stopped increasing cheaply. So you know, we'll we're we're looking at PS5 with 16 gigs of RAM. That's that's the upper limit on what you're going to do. What like you're you're not going to see a 32 gig GPU in the foreseeable future because unless unless you're doing like non gaming workflows, it's not going to be necessary until mm -hmm. two or three years into the next console generation when these these current gen machines are old and people are building exclusively for the new machines. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Speaking of outrage, uh, we do have a, a super chat I want to get to uh, from friend of the show VC Jester gives five dollars. Thank you so much. Said I missed so much of the conversation. Can you catch me up with what I'm supposed to be outraged about? I'll tell you what you should be outraged about. All of this talk of Jeff benchmarking and rethinking how we do benchmarks, and I go to his video and what is he using as the CPU on the test bed? A five hundred dollar CPU, a seventy nine hundred X three D, which most people don't have. And what are settings he use? He uses maxed out settings. Jeff, mm -hmm. all the, all this talk about rethinking how we do benchmarks, and you're still benchmarking just like everybody else. What? No, this time I am. And it's different this time because it's a $600 card, not a $300 card. And that's where some of that nuance as a reviewer Ooh, wait, comes wait, in. Wait, wait, wait. So you paired a $600 card with a, let me double check with the 500, price, with a $500 CPU? Who does that? Who, uh, who in the real world actually pairs a $600 card with a $500 CPU? Most people, when they spec out their parts, they will spend equal amounts of money on CPU and GPU, or they'll do what the reviewers do, and they'll go, well, I can't game with anything less than a 13900K, and they'll just go buy that. Uh, I, I, or, or they buy the best CPU because it's a, more of a pain to upgrade the CPU, and they figure they'll do a mid-cycle mid upgrade on the GPU after two or three years. Absolutely. Right? That's what I always do. Which yeah. I, I would say 7800X3D at cheaper is actually better than the 7900X3D. In some I would ways. say, yeah, yeah, but you still ended up using Jeff. I'm disappointed in you. I'm so, I know. I know. I'm just kidding. Should Should I have broken out the 5700G again? <laughs> right. That, no, that so, was fun. So look, I have a 9900K. You can have to send me the send me the AMD chip. I'll send you the 9900 uh, 9900. You can test on period appropriate hardware. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you uh, go. I, <laughs> actually, I'm, I I I am going back in time. Uh, actually, just yesterday, uh, I got delivered a. a 5960X. Um, I'm going to go back to X99 and and test. Uh, you know what was the top of that? And 
if you have a 1080 Ti, can you upgrade your your GPU and would it make a difference? Or are you bottlenecked by PCI Express 3.0 or single threaded performance on your CPU? Or, you know, where is the bottleneck today? Where does it exist? Yeah, which uh, so for those who don't know, and, and maybe will, you don't know, uh, Jeff, Jeff came out with a video. When when was it around? 14th uh, no, man, july it was july. just before ltx it was like two oh, weeks before LTX. Was, yeah uh, saying yeah. that all the reviewers are doing it wrong and had pictures of all of your favorite your favorite oh, reviewers no. like steve and stuff in the thumbnail saying all the reviewers suck they don't know what they're talking about we should be rethinking uh how how we should benchmark stuff and honestly and we talked about it at ltx honestly i, I actually do appreciate your opinion i mean because in uh, traditional uh, reviews, and I think, Will, you can attest to this, the idea is to uh, take out any CPU bottleneck, any RAM bottleneck, you know, and, and have uh, the same systems across and, and just really try to max out what this GPU is capable of. But on the, the flip side, that's not how people actually use it. Not everybody has a 4900K or 7950X3D, uh, and mm-hmm. most people, you know, myself included, I always like to recommend, like, hey, don't play ultra play one step down like you're you're getting pretty much you know all the way there uh with with what you're getting so so the way gpus are benchmarked aren't the way gpus are actually used i Mm -hmm. i I, I see both i see both and you had some good arguments and i and i totally get that but i will what is what is your thought on this well, look, this is the thing that we used to sit in the lab at Maximum PC and yell at each other about for hours and hours on end, and it would we, we would change from year to year. The the part of the challenge we had is we had a box that was about this big to put uh, to put all of our benchmarks in at the bottom of a 250 word <laughs> review. So um, I I think I mean I think there's definitely a place. I, I think that I think that reviewing letting people know that they're old 9900K isn't going to see any benefit if they upgrade the power supply and put a 4090 in it is probably a real reader service. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, that there's a lot of people and I, I know that, that do, you know, that, that, that their computer is a never ending ship of theses. Right. So they're always, you know, they, when they have money to buy a video card, they buy a new video card, they jam it in. Sure. They're not getting as much out of it as they are, as they would if they put a new CPU in at the same time. But you know, it's it's reasonable to expect some of that stuff to happen a little bit at a time rather than all mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, you know, I see it both ways. Honestly, for me, I don't know how you all, especially working on YouTube, doing doing the reviews on on the on the embargoes, like manage to actually get the me- me- benchmark matrices done that you do in the. Because I know when you get the cards. Ooh. And I know when the embargo lifts and I know how many hours that is. And I know that you get one card and you have, you know, f- 55 different uh, system configurate. Like every time you add one more column to that chart, you're you're exponentially increasing the amount of work that has to be done. Basically, is it? I can't swear on, on the show, so I can't tell you exactly what the process was like. <laughs> um, but I but I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, I did. 13 games i did eight uh eight games but five of them with ray tracing on and then ray tracing off uh and so 13 titles two resolutions six cards it was 624 data points each data point that you come up with uh is ran three times to check for consistency yeah i was gonna say Uh, you have to run it multiple times because because the often you'll get weird outliers if you don't yeah right exactly and and you have to catch those outliers before you swap the card otherwise you have to uninstall your card reinstall your card do a complete driver reinstall it it is a nightmare to change your card and so you want to make sure your data is absolute before you make that that card switch um you don't want to have to go back 
Uh, but uh, each individual data point has to be ran three times. Let's say each each test takes about five minutes to run. That's being pretty darn generous. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> that's this if video, you're sitting there watching it, making sure you know. <laughs> just this video, I spent 46 hours testing, and I got the card last Wednesday. Mm. Yeah, and and it's not and it's not like just to be clear, it's not like you have a script that will run all 16 benchmarks one after the other. Somebody has to be sitting there watching it, um, hitting the buttons because for the most part, the games are completely unscriptable and and exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's it's um like I. I, I think this is the beautiful thing about there being a bazillion websites reviewing cards these days is that mm-hmm. y- y- I think it's great for you to go out and hit a hit a a, a, a unique perspective on this and serves mm-hmm. a totally viable, important reader perspective, viewer perspective. Um, but I also I'm glad that people are going out and doing the 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 overclocked 13900 4900k to mm-hmm. to see what the actual you know to see where the bottlenecks are and, and and push as many of the bottlenecks out of the way. What I will say is I started that video where I said everyone's doing it wrong by telling you exactly what they're exactly why what they're doing is doing it 100% correct. Yeah. Uh, and so if if you're trying to drag race your GPUs and you're trying to find the pecking order and the value of each GPU, that's exactly the correct way to do it. The problem is you can't come out as a reviewer and state, well, the best, you know, frame per dollar this generation is the 4070 Ti. Just go spend $800. I only have $300 for a GPU. Yeah. If I buy the $300 GPU, am I going to be happy with the performance? Well, it's a terrible value compared to the 4070 Ti. That's not what I asked. (laughs) And so then to a potential customer, to a potential buyer, someone who you're trying to give a buying decision to... It's useless information. And that was kind of my point. Well, and and when you factor all that in on top of the difficulty buying a new GPU over the last four or five years, mm-hmm. just with the with the pandemic and the blockchain stuff and all, all the stuff that was making GPUs weird, and the fact that prices have gone up in the last six years pretty dramatically, where yeah. what you were spending on a on a top of the line card in 2017, 2018 with a 1080 uh is now the price of a of a mid-range. I mean, part part of that is because frankly, NVIDIA made a weird decision to start calling its its workstation, you know, its workstation heavy metal cards and and put them in the same naming scheme as the consumer cards, right? <laughs> um but the but the other side of it is that it's just you you have people who have a, what was a $700 card comparing it to a mid-range $700 card like is this actually going to be faster i don't know usually the 9 is faster than the 7 for at least two or three of the big numbers and it's it's mm-hmm. like it's it's a confusing situation for everybody it totally so. and the launch price of the 1080 was 499 yeah <laughs> that was the flagship that was and that was insane performance for it that was day. easy i mean i'm going to go and tell you i spent money on a 1080 i went i mm-hmm. i ordered one the day they were announced yep and I was like, this is the easiest video card money I have ever spent in my life. And that <laughs> yeah, card you, was great. You, you in that day, kind of like me, I was doing a lot of VR stuff. I, I was uh, yeah. I was actually running a VR arcade at that time. And I went 1080, easy decision. Yeah. Easiest decision I ever made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we do have uh, Dr. Ian Cutris, Tech Tech Potato fame in the chat saying, uh, why don't why don't you have scripts, Will? Uh, games are scriptable if you know what you're doing. He uh, Ian is all about the scripts. Uh, yeah. So... I don't have when I was doing benchmarks, I didn't have the time. The machines would change enough between that. We'd end up having to write new scripts for each run of benchmarks and the amount of time that I had to do the benchmarks. I didn't have time to do the scripts before. Like, you know, we were I was writing 20, 15, 20,000 words a month, sometimes at maximum PC. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't 
you know, it was, it was either right or right scripts or right words. And if I wrote scripts instead of words, Catherine Stevenson, who I believe you guys know, you, still, you know, Adam, here, yeah. yeah, would absolutely have yelled at me. So uh, I can't <laughs> publish scripts. Yeah. Well. You know, scripts, so they, they, if I, they put a bunch of ads next to scripts in the magazine that everybody involved is going to be upset. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, there's a lot, lot to dig in, a lot of information. I, I feel like, um, I'm, I'm just, it, it is curious to see the reviews. Most of the, I, I don't think I saw one thumbnail of a 4070 super in a dumpster lit on fire with somebody doing this phase, that kind of thing. So I guess yeah. good, good job, Nvidia. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I guess that's where we're at now. <laughs> oh, and Gordon's in the chat. Gordon Hello, Gordon. Hey, Gordon. He said, hey, uh, hey, Gordon. I, he says, I don't read the script. The script reads me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't even see the script anymore. All I see is blonde, uh, yep, brunette. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, 4070 Super, go out and buy one or not if you don't. Uh, but yeah, for, for the most part, though, uh, assuming that there aren't going to be big shakeups, um, it looks like we have the full stack from top to bottom from from all three companies, unless Intel decides to drop Bell Major earlier or something. I feel like for the next six months, these are the GPUs we have. Do you think there's anything else in the stack for any of these teams that are, are going to come out? I think the only potential might be kind of what we saw, what was that yesterday or the day before, with AMD dropping the price of the 7800 XT. I think price drops are are going to be a battle that might be waged yeah. in the next six months, which I, I say this all the time, competition breeds victory for everyone. Uh, you know, there, there's not a single person or company that loses when you're competing against one another prices go down which means volume goes up that's good for businesses prices go down that's good for consumers um you know we get better value for less money uh but yeah the 7800 xt dropped to what was it 750 dollars officially but new eggs got it for 709 right now mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh well and uh I forgot to get to it. Uh, a friend of the show, Coffee, gave us uh, two Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. Said, uh, is is 12 gigs of VRAM the new 8 gigs of VRAM one to three year lifespan? We, I think it has more than that. It, but, yeah. at, at, at 1440, I think it has more legs than that. <clears throat> okay. All right. Uh, um, yeah. And anything else on I, GPUs? I, I, think that, I think that there's an opportunity for a, 30, a 4060 Ti Super. There's They don't have any Supers on the 60 side. So that, that $450 price point is kind of anchored right now. It's yeah. just sitting there. It's empty. They're, it's just, they're waiting to see what, what, what comes from AMD. Yeah. What AMD does with pricing. Oh, remember? Right no, there's there's the 4060 16 gig or 12 gig because that those are eight, eight and 12 gig cards. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, two different yeah. versions. Yeah. Th- yeah. Those, yeah, so there is a there's a card slotted in there somewhere, and and the gap between the 4080 Ti Super and the 4090 is pretty big. So I think there's still room for a 4080 Ti Super Duper, probably in <laughs> super there. Duper, there super duper, super duper. I like it. Uh, uh, um, all right. So speaking of room in your case, before we get to the next segment, I do want to talk about our sponsor. Uh, Silverstone had sent over this ice mist cooler. Uh, Will have have you seen have you seen the glory that is this? Uh, AIO cooler ice mist. It, it it looks like a small drone in your thing, but I'm telling you, when I was dealing with hot RAM, that looks like it would have been really nice. To yeah, have the air blowing down. So there. they revealed this at CES, uh, and one of their the at their booth, they had this up on the wall, and then it was just stacks of these. So when sorry, it's in a boot loop. I I, I built it and I didn't 
whatever you know so it's not it's not in a i don't think he knows what he's doing yeah i know he's just he's just ripping stuff out while it's plugged in i think that's bad i don't know so expert so it comes uh we we you know it it comes like this with the 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 cap on you get you get the nice little rgb uh if i can line it up right it's hard to do there we go uh you get rgb this is a 280 version but they do have 240 uh up to 360 Uh, i don't think they go higher than that um really nice aio but the name of the game is buying these extra little fans. So uh, all you can do is 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 hot swap. You you pull it off. You you put the uh, the the next level of fan on, and there you go. You you have a fan uh, added to direct airflow down onto the to the motherboard or the VRMs or the the DRAM. Oh, I cut myself on the hey hey i finally got hurt by oh by a goodness. fan blade oh, uh, wow. willis hates when i stick my I finger in fan blades uh Don't but I, I, I finally no. cut myself there we go i got some blood it's like me also not putting eye drops uh you know, so close <laughs> or seeing people put eye drops but yeah don't there put you your go. finger on a fan yeah. please uh, do not yeah. Well, if you, uh, if, yeah, if you do myself. that with with uh, carbon fiber drone blades, you'll come back with a stump if you're not careful you yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway the uh um yeah. So, and, and it is it is rotatable on there. So when when you put it on, you can actually rotate the fans, and and then you can also stack it. So uh, in this example, I have I have three stacked fans on top of here. I do want to see the theoretical limit. We we joked around about it at uh, Computex. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it was, but yeah. I mean the the idea that you stack them on there, you kind of rotate where wherever you want it to go. Really cool stuff. I, I haven't actually like like done any testing to kind of see what the you know how, how it does affect the airflow um so you know I, I can't say to that but i mean you are getting more airflow directed down on on where wherever you want it to are, are, to go so are the fan speeds controllable adam do you yep. know yep so oh, awesome. you, uh not only is it controllable it also has rgb and it is controllable rgb uh oh, like you can't things. you can't control them individually it is it is okay. one go, so you know if if you have multiple fans on the stack, uh, I don't believe you can address each one of them differently. It just treats it as as one big, uh, one big thing. But yeah, no, I, I I dig it. Super fun, and like I said, it's a uh, uh, you know you can just bend don't it. Don't put your finger know, in there. I'm sorry, it's hard <laughs> to see from this angle. Uh, yeah, you can just you know configure it uh, how you want. It's it's a, a really cool system. I dig it, uh, and you know they're they're sponsor of the of the show. Uh, so and now now we can say we got blood money. Oh my god! Because yeah, I, oh yeah, god. no, there is blood and uh, and yeah, we, we did get money for the sponsorship. So no, it's it's fine. I'm not fully bleeding. Just just a little bit. Oh, thank if you. If we need yeah, amputate, if you need to, just let's there please. Yeah, I'll uh, do a tourniquet live oh, live gosh, on the yeah. air. Uh, v suggestion in the chat says, uh, "Let's get a ten thousand R- RPM Delta fan and teach him a lesson." Yeah, oh, there we goodness. go. No, it's <laughs> yeah. No, it was funny at CES. Every time uh, you know we we would hit a demo, I would just be like, "Oh, check it out. Is this fan on?" Uh, just stick my finger in it, um, and then blood just splatters all over the camera. I was like, "Please don't." <laughs> Do the do they don't do the tiger doesn't do the pc building race anymore at ces do they no not that i know of yeah no, that's a bummer yeah that that was always really fun but they'd get like 30 or 40 journalists in there and jam them all into a ballroom and have them build a pc but it would always be in like a bare metal terrifying like <laughs> jagged edges everywhere uh a case and one year i was doing it i nicked myself and just it it looked it looked like the inside of a horror movie in the case at the end. So when I when I, I was I ended up being the first person done and they bring the camera over there showing it and they're like, There's 
what's this all over the inside of the kitchen? I was like, you probably don't want to touch that. It's fine though, but yeah. like, don't you know bodily <laughs> fluids? Just watch out. It's uh, your it's it's your Tim. Your your very special uh, Will Smith Tim uh, all over. Yeah. Uh, speaking of CES, uh, obviously we had our our live from the CES show floor. Uh, episode where we kind of talked about uh, the high level stuff and and kind of went over some of PC World's best picks uh, from the the sh- the, f- the show floor itself. So it, this isn't about necessarily recapping again what came out of it, uh, but I have two people here who weren't there, so I kind of want to get their take uh, from afar if they had any questions uh, for us who who were there kind of stuff. But then also I kind of want to expand it out a little bit past PC because I was I was saying earlier. Um, when when we're there we're just heads down in pc so it wasn't until i got home that i was like okay now i get to read about the other stuff that wasn't pc related uh that (laughs) happened at ces and i'm like oh yeah i always forget like ces is huge and we're just focused on on one little area of it and there's still a ton to cover and then there's just so much outside of it uh that happened um that that's my impression overall was uh, as far as PC goes, it was probably a little lackluster, uh, simply because I think we got all the big announcements in December. We got, you know, uh, AMD and Intel both having their their large conferences uh, in, in December as far as their announcements go. And uh, we already knew about the super cards, not exact specs, but we knew the supers were coming, what, back in October, maybe? I think I saw started seeing rumors. And so as far as the big three in the PC space... There wasn't a lot to talk about. There's no real big new products. There's no, you know, new generation of CPU. There there was nothing there. It was mostly uh, fill, filling in. It was mainstream, you know, yeah. CPUs, uh, that that one uh the one Radeon 7600 XT. Uh, yeah. we don't have reviews of that yet. So, yeah, we we got we got spec bump announcements instead of like here's the next generation of the next 3 years of whatever you're going to be using. Which is not bad. Um, and and once and, and all Honestly, yeah. though, I I don't I personally don't think CES is the spot to do that because CES right. is like not just about the PC. That's why I love Computex because mm-hmm. Computex is all PC all day, baby. So yeah. I'm I'm okay with CES being like a little more chill mid cycle, and then Computex being like the you know blow I, the doors I off. will say probably the the coolest or the the most. Uh, thing i'm looking forward to most is some of the monitor tech that's coming out we're, we're getting you know super high re- uh refresh rate you know 4k 360 hertz oleds and and things like that are are starting to trickle their way into the market and uh i think those are going to be kind of one of the next frontiers now that 1440 144 hertz has kind of settled into its place uh, there's some really cool tech super color accurate super fast re- refresh super low latency mm-hmm. that's all Kind of on the on the precipice of, of being the regular thing that we see in our PC builds. So, yeah, the the backlight strobing thing that Nvidia announced seems like I, I want to see it in person, but it sounds it sounds mm-hmm. like it, it, in one, on one hand it sounds really cool for somebody who sits in front of an LCD all day. On the other hand, it seems like we're spending an incredible amount of engineering and time to basically replicate CRTs, <laughs> which like you <laughs> which know you made that point on the the recent Will and Brad made a tech pod, and I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually pretty. <laughs> accurate time yeah, is I, a circle <laughs> yeah i really wish i hadn't gotten rid of that old sony 24 inch that weighed 300 pounds it used to be on my desk i, I don't think my standing desk would go up and down with it on. But, um <laughs> for me it was more the the 
the stuff that I love is walking around and I like, I, I spent a lot of time watching CS TikToks of people walking around the floor showing weird case designs and stuff like that. I, I, I always love that kind of stuff. The stunt stuff has a, has a definite appeal. Like the, the, like the transparent micro led that uh, Samsung was showing. Mm-hmm. That's not a real product. It's not something they're going to sell in any quantity at all ever. It has a whole host of problems that are immediately obvious when you think about what it would be like to have a transparent screen in your living room. <laughs> still super cool yeah. uh the the lg uh they they had like it looked like a cloud chamber box basically it was like a box that was clear on on all sides and about four inches thick probably that had an oled a transparent oled on the front and then a black uh it could black black out the other three sides on demand and the kind of the black side would just kind of roll up that looked incredible because when you're watching something on the transparent oled that has a lot of alpha in it it looks like it's just a person floating in space in your living room, right? <laughs> yeah. But then, if you watch normal TV on that without the, the sides blacked out and the, and the back blacked out, it 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 almost certainly is going to look terrible. Um, I I'm just I'm just uh, honestly the thing I missed most about CS was the good corned beef sandwiches from the back of the of the North Hall. There was a <laughs> there was a great place way back there that you could there was never a line, which was always the real secret of CS finding <laughs> finding lunch without waiting in a forty minute line. Yeah, uh, uh, Gordon uh, is in the chat once again. The the two things he was excited about was uh, um, they announced the LP Cam Two spec, which is the low profile uh, memory for um, I can't remember uh, uh, compression assisted memory module. Is that what it stands for? Uh, somebody correct me, but it, yeah, they're they're putting uh, LP DRAM modules on. They're they're replacing DIMMs and putting them onto pin attached modules to literally get the traces closer to the CPU. So mm. right oh. now, one of the big issues with Ultrabooks is your your memory speeds are starting to hit a point where the traces in the motherboard are too noisy and you can't run about above like, you know, 5,200 or maybe 6,000 at the very best. Devices are now calling for, you know, 7,600 megahertz memory and whatnot, and it's degrading just in, in the distance in an Ultrabook. Uh, and so they're creating modules to put them closer and replacing SODIM uh, with that. Yeah, so. which the, the the spec has been out for a bit. Uh, it is it is primarily developed by Dell. There was a lot Dell of yelling, yeah, it, yeah, yelling about like, oh, this is this is you know Dell's proprietary thing. It's not. Uh, there's actually a, a couple of. I just companies. said megahertz in front of Ian. I am so oh, sorry. You're in big trouble. Uh, I didn't <laughs> even catch it. Um, yeah, so the, the, there are there are is other support. This is the the second iteration of that. I Gordon knows the the ins and outs uh, way more than I do, uh, but he, he was very excited about that. Uh, the other thing that he was excited about was uh, something we saw at the Patriot booth. Uh, actually, Will, I think you, you're going to appreciate this as well. I the, the, a lot of this goes way over my head, but the idea is that Patriot is putting a little. Um, oh, what was it? I can't remember the name of it. I should have brought it up ahead of time, but they're putting a little chip on their RAM to essentially take out the silicon lottery. So uh, being able to push higher speeds on any CPU, uh, not just not just ones that have a, a really good uh, controller on it. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, and I, I can't remember hey, the name look, of it to look it up. And anything that makes DDR5 high speed DDR5 more stable is something I'm a big fan of, it turns out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um. yeah, he they they had a demo there running on a I think it was a 12900K with what what Patriot was saying was like the the worst um uh uh memory controller that they had 
in in the lab and it was still able to run like 8000 now it wasn't stable he was he, he made you know he's like hey listen it's it's not the most stable but you know with, with this little uh, chip on there but at uh, least it posts yeah, yeah which yeah, is I more than you can say yeah, yeah i have some 7600 g skill dims over here that just don't do anything anymore like i just yeah they're they're High, the, the the quest for high speed memory continues. This this rock solid. Yeah, and 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 Patriot definitely seems to be really kind of at the forefront of like, hey, we we want to get it as stable as possible. And and once again, I, I can't remember the the name of the little uh, chip that they have is it, on is there. It, is this the clock driver one? Is that what it's called? <sighs> no, I. Uh, yeah, CS DDR five. Um, I, I back to, to the sodium. Back to the laptop memory. Anything that gives them a way to continue letting people upgrade memory on their laptops is good because the the alternative to that is soldering dims on the soldering memory on the motherboards which which i mean apple does and sucks and mm-hmm. we like we uh, we i want pc laptops to continue being user upgradable or at least maybe not user upgradable but field upgradable um so it's yeah. it's, it's, it's like the, gordon is right that is a uh, it is both important and huge for the industry so mm, good, yeah. good on them uh okay so yeah uh it was patriot uh our, our friend over, over there uh shannon shannon uh, yeah, yeah uh awesome guy um yeah it, the it was an engineering preview of uh ckd ddr5 uh and it has uh yeah a clock driver added to it uh to help maintain stability so he says that it doesn't completely negate um you know, actual uh, actual stability, but it, it at least uh, lessens the silicon lottery when you get your CPU, when you get your six, stabilizes it a yeah, little bit, kind of helps yeah. stabilizes it, and which is a, a good thing all around. So it's it's either making it more stable to hit fire, higher clocks, uh, or more stable for a memory controller that that can't keep up necessarily. So really mm-hmm. cool stuff. Like I said, a lot of it went over my head, so I'm sorry I can't uh, describe it to you in depth that <laughs> the way some can um, Adam, did you, did you guys see the the inverted motherboards the inverted connector i mean it seemed like there was a lot of talk about that stuff at, at ces this year which seemed yeah like it's, so, i think it's neat but not you know so it's interesting there's a lot moving in that space because the the kind of come out for that was computex last year and like that was we, we gordon and i dubbed it like the war on cables was uh was was when it came out and since then uh yeah there's actually stuff now in the channel you're getting a, a lot more people uh, talking about it i actually got in before the break a project zero case and motherboard i did a build in it i did a video uh I'll, I'll, I'll that's right you. i can say that i saw that now yeah yeah i, I I'll, I'll tell you i uh, uh i'll, I'll send sure you. if i could talk about that yet yeah but yeah that sounds great uh, w- when i was in studio he, he had the box sitting right there so i gotta mm. i gotta play with it oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah i can yeah. say that now yeah so. you can say yeah you did see that yeah so we'll, we'll i'll send you a link to the video so like like i have built i mean i was already on board but the biggest thing for me i mean the visuals yes it looks more pretty i totally get that and that's kind of the marketing angle that that they're pushing hard for right now but for me it was more the easy use uh you know and i've built plenty of pcs but like once the motherboard was in i was like oh you know I, I don't need to do that that little snaking thing to figure out which oh which area am i going through or grommets popping out it was just like put the motherboard in lay it down boop 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 boop, boop. okay cool uh the project oh. zero implementation wasn't perfect because there was still not a, enough room on the back side to uh the 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 case had a a uh not a right angle 
a USB three header. So that that was actually I put a little bit more of a bend on that. I did talk to MSI yeah, yeah. later, and they were like, "Hey, we saw your video. We're we're going to address that." Uh, same thing for the twenty four pin power. Um, like it, it's just such a thick connector that that it needs a little bit more room on the backside to allow for it. But and and then one one manufacturer in particular was talking about, and I I don't want to out it here but one manufacturer in particular was like hey now that the connectors are on the backside, we can do something we've talked about forever for ease of use for new builders is color coding the connectors so imagine you plop the motherboard in you flip it around to the other side and the 24 pin power is you know color coded red uh, to the to the the port on the motherboard or the 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 cpu uh, 8 pin is is you know colored there and who cares what color it is because it's on the backside and you don't you don't see it, so it makes it literally as easy as possible for new builders to be like, oh, okay, this is where it goes, this is where it goes, you don't have to worry about it. Um, Speaking for additions to new builders, can we just finally finalize and be done with it, the front I.O. connections and what order and orientation you put those in? Make one plug uh, that I plug in. How many of them, like, what do you you even have, like, I have power and a light, I think, is all that's plugged into mine right now. My case doesn't have a reset switch, even. Yeah, most of my cases don't have reset switches anymore, but, uh, I mean, you've got uh, power, uh, you've got power light and reset, sometimes hard drive activity lights, some still come with that. Um, Nice to know when your SSD is doing something, right? Right, yeah. right. But I mean, honestly, though, it still was a lot easier to plug it in and, and did look a lot more tidy when it was on the backside. So, yeah, I, I think that the bigger thing and the question a lot of us had and like uh, almost every single appointment that we did, you know, we met with, we're like, OK, where are we at with getting everyone on board? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, you know, MSI has their own standard Project Zero, which is a little confusing now because it's they have Project Zero branded hardware. Um but the spec is also called Project... I, I don't know if the actual spec is called Project Zero, but they're also I, calling it that. Um, Asus has BTF, which was also confusing because they told us that it officially meant uh, back to front, uh, but then in all their marketing materials, it said back to the future. To the future. Uh, so that's Seems confusing. Like a registered trademark of somebody, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then... I know, right? Uh, and then Willis... Uh, not Willis, sorry. Wallace from uh, Main Gear uh, was there, uh, you know, talking about the the... Uh, and then um, Gigabyte, their their partnership with Gigabyte, and and that uh, oh man, I can't remember. He he told me on the show floor. He he just he thought it up the day before we met him as the um, the main gear rear connector. So MGRC is is that standard? I mean, yeah, and, yeah, and each 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 company I was talking to you know, ha- has, has other companies on board. We actually did see Cooler Master had a case that was like, F it, we're just going to make the holes big enough to include all three standards. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's sloppy. Every company we talked to was like, okay, can we just sit down and figure this out? Can we, I mean, we, and everyone said like, hey, listen, we'll get there. Right now with these first iterations, everyone's kind of trying to do their own, but they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Asus has like an alliance uh, with a bunch of case manufacturers and stuff like that. You know, I mean, everyone's talking to everyone. We we I do believe we'll get there because we're not that far off. We're, we're not talking about anything super, you know, crazy between the three specs. It's more like where exactly are the cutouts? And like I said, there are cases out there right now that are like, hey, you know what? We'll just make it a little bit wider so it accepts all of the cutouts. So we're close. It, it just I mean, needs to be standardized. Um, that, that's the that's the 
the the market will work it work it out whether the case manufacturers get tired like the case manufacturers aren't going to make an asus and msi and a and a you know they aren't going to make four versions of the same case they'll just make the holes bigger on all the cases and call it a day if the if yeah. the motherboard man like the motherboard manufacturers lose their ability to have a be part of this conversation if they don't make it moving because the case people will go on without them well and also i actually do feel like a lot of these cases aren't going to have a separate backside connector version either they're just going to be like hey you can buy this case and and plop in a normal atx motherboard it just so happens to have the holes for backside if you want it or not Mm -hmm. so i i didn't see anybody indicating like hey we're actually going to have separate case options for backside connector or not I, i i will say the the one thing that asus said was that if they do have something that is for that specifically the it'll have a den, uh, a denotion on the back to say BTF, so it'll be whatever product number plus BTF. So you know that at least if you look at the product number, whether you're buying a case or a motherboard, it is it does have that that BTF connector uh, spec there. So I actually think that was a good thing because um, it, it once again it can get confusing. The only outlier is uh, the um, the GPU power delivery that is uh, an ASUS thing. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I kept poking around and I, I got kind of mixed things some, some people were like, oh, okay, that, that's a cool idea. I actually like it. And some people were like, nah, that's a bridge too far. So that was the only one where I was like, okay, well, Asus has their, their alliance. And there was a lot of case manufacturers and motherboard manufacturers being like, oh, okay, we're going to have backside connector options. There was not another company that had another GPU with that that uh power slot on it so yeah which i'm I'm sure the ramp up to develop that is is longer so maybe maybe that will be coming but Mm -hmm. i did think that was at least a little telling not saying that there was other manufacturers who have that uh that slot option on there so it almost feels like this would be a fantastic time to finally start looking at moving over to like Intel's ATX 12VO standard, uh, which eliminates the 24 pin with mm-hmm. the five and 3.3 volt rails and delivers only 12 volt. Yep. Send 12 volt where you want it and simplifies connectors, reduces the number of connectors, increases the power delivery on, on, on specific connectors uh, and, and, and put them on the backside. Like, that seems to me to be the next logical step instead of trying to jam a 24 pin into the back of a case. Well, it actually, I, <laughs> I did. Yeah. So two, two things on that. Number one, the, the 24 pin on the, the backside did introduce a new thing where, uh, usually when, you know, you put the motherboard in the tray and then, you know, you, especially new builders, you really got to push in that 24 pin and, you know, you're mm-hmm. worried cause it, the, it starts to flex. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it was on the backside, I kind of had a, different worry that uh that because you're putting all that pressure on the backside i was like man if none of it i gotta i gotta make sure that all those screws were in tight for the motherboard because if i'm if i'm put it pushing too much on the backside the whole motherboard's gonna pop off right uh yeah. so yeah i i it was kind of a, a different little worry um but to the 12 12 vo uh spec the i did talk to somebody i, I don't think i can say who it was but they they were mm-hmm. saying that that the whole 12VO thing has been really slow running uh, because yeah. of some specific COVID stuff and the, the, the testing and validation and stuff that actually there, we will see a lot more, especially in the DIY space coming this year. So, so nice. I, I do think it is, it is coming uh, and 
it just has has been slow moving. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about it for years, uh, mm-hmm. but it, we just haven't seen it come out. But it sounds like this is truly the year that we're going to see more options. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, well, what, what do you think? Do you this is the most, you know, even though it's not that radical, this is the most radical change in the ATX spec uh, in a while. Are you, are you I mean, excited it, for it? Do you not care? I, I it, it honestly reminds me of when, when case manufacturers started cutting out the space behind the CPU so you could take the CPU cooler mounting bracket. Somebody on. else said that. Yep. Yep. It's it's the same it's the same basic like it's it is it makes it easier. Every time I have to unplug a twelve volt CPU power cable <laughs> on my PC when it's in the top left corner and there's a fan, a fan here, a fan here, and the the, the twelve volt plug is right here, but underneath both of them somehow. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it sounds fantastic. I think this is a great idea. I think we should have done it like 10 years ago. It's it's one of those ideas that's so stupid, you're like, oh God, why didn't I think of this? This is this is this, this is <laughs> like honestly, the next thing we should do is put the SSDs and the RAM on the back of the motherboard too so then they're easier to get at and and there's a whole realm of space on the back of that thing so that we can just really expand i'm, I'm joking about the ram but i'm actually maybe i'm not about the ssgs that's actually well i mean it's already on the back side of mini itx boards uh yeah i've used min- plenty of mini itx i think yeah. higher end options mostly but yeah so yeah so yeah i i don't know i i don't i don't think there's a downside uh other than the downside is if we end up having four different manufacturer specific specs and it ends up being you, you have to have qvls for your case and your ram instead of just the ram yeah. and, and then that seems like a bad time it, it seems like a fantastic way to basically vendor lock you into a specific system yeah. uh yeah I, I i agree if we're if we're gonna go this route if we're gonna make btf a standard let's make it a standard that everyone follows if we're gonna go 12 vo make it a standard that everyone follows if if asus is gonna put graphics power delivery on their board make it a standard so i don't have to buy a an asus you know graphics card to go with my asus motherboard <laughs> like down the line yeah well, presumably you'll always be able to run the cable if you want, but you no. don't have that one ugly cable. No, no, no I mean, if you buy a non-ASUS oh, video yeah, card yeah, for your yeah, ASUS exactly. power, yeah, power yeah, yeah. video card. Yeah. No, well, well and yeah, so I think m- more cases are just going to have those cutouts, whether you, you, you care or not, right? So you'll have the hardware and then it'll become a, okay, which motherboard option do you want? Do you want it on the front? Do you want it on the back? So I, I think the the cases are the first thing that everyone's going to get that is going to have that right and then they'll be the the then they'll have the option to be like oh okay what motherboard do i want to get uh and then yeah the the whole gpu thing i I think is a separate thing but um Yeah. yeah i i i do like where this is going i think the the only other downside is well i i think there's two number one is relearning some of the building stuff like i said i at least for me i always i always build uh, the with the motherboard stuff outside of the box first. So you put in your CPU, your RAM, your SSD, all that kind of stuff. But when I was building in that Project Zero outside and, and I put it on the, the, the cardboard box that it had come in, I was like, oh man, I'm I'm not putting a ton of pressure, but it is those 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 pins like the uh, the fragile ARGB pins or the uh, uh, PWM fan header pins, like those are kind of wobbling around a little bit. I mean, those can be dented whichever way it's oriented but like i felt more like oh you know what in the future i might just build like i might just put the motherboard in first build in it and then flip it over you know plug everything in and be done so i i think it will be a little bit of a relearning for some people to 
you know, the order of operation kind of, the, not that it's bad to build it in the case, but it's just different. Mm-hmm. Uh, number yeah. two, Asus at least was saying, hey, there will be a premium because it does, as of right now, it does take a little bit more money to manufacture, uh, you know, the, the, the solder points on the back. Uh, because mm-hmm. this, because those backside uh, solder points are now on the front, they're more visible. So Asus at least is putting a little bit more uh, decoration on the PCB to make it look, you know, cleaner kind of thing. So they're saying at least as of right now, all the BTS stuff is going to be anywhere from like 10 to $30 more. Uh, so not not a ton more, but that's, the, that's there a, is a little yeah. bit of a price premium yeah. right now. Uh, so that's a fair premium for something that's that's going to like think about the time in bruised skinned knuckles. Uh, <laughs> right. That's worth 30 bucks. Yeah. And, and especially if you're trying to build, you know, a show PC and you and you want to hide your wires and this is the aesthetic that you want to go for. A lot of people will spend that extra 30 bucks. No question. The, the other the other real huge benefit of this for power supply vendors, especially is or or people that make cases and power, and power supplies like i guess silverstone is is in that category like think about think about they're going to know exactly on these cases that have the the things the cables can be exactly the length you need pre-manufactured from the vendor so so like you can buy the btf power cable pack or whatever mm-hmm. so that so that your runs are precise and you don't have any extra because the hard part isn't getting the cables hidden the hard part is what do you do with all the slack on the back side of the pc mm-hmm. And and this should theoretically solve that problem, which is exciting to me. It was funny. The the there were a couple of companies that I talked to that weren't that excited about this whole thing, and it was companies that had uh, some sort of vested interest in making the case look pretty. So the, ca- the cable, cable mod. yeah, yeah, the the, the cable. Yeah. You know, you get sleeved cables, you get the combs. Uh, it was some uh, SIs and OEMs that you know were like, "Hey, we we do a lot of work to make sure everything's pretty." And now you're saying you just plug everything in the back and and plop the <laughs> the side on, and then you don't got to worry about it. And I'm like, for me, that's awesome. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I know Gordon's definitely. I mean, well, Gordon doesn't care either way. Uh, <laughs> you know the aesthetics of it, but uh, you know there are some companies that that. You know, you you charge a little bit more of a premium to get that that nice cable routing and stuff, and they're like, well, you know, mm-hmm. now th- think think about the the cable mod people. You're going to put them out of work. Uh, just yeah. kidding. I, nobody said that, but <laughs> um, they'll find they'll find other. They're, they're, look, there's always hoses, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but I also don't think I think the at least the options will be there. Right. Once again, I think people will just start getting cases, and the option will be there whether they use it or not. Uh, and apart from the GPU thing, really, you're just talking about okay, which motherboard do you want to buy? Yeah, I, I think that that's how it will be kind of in the future. Is that yeah. I, I don't think everyone's going this way. I think there's always going to be room for both. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, friend of the show, VG, VC Jester, gives uh, five more uh, super chat. Thank you so much. Said uh, which YouTuber is going to make a tutorial on how to make custom length cables? Uh, there are already hundreds of those. Yeah, and you, yeah. you, you don't you don't want to see me try to make a uh, custom cables. Uh, you probably wouldn't want to. But well, the Gordon you... Mong Power Supply Company, uh, is, they're going to have uh, <laughs> their own custom cables. I, I bet you can work a crimper like nobody's business, Adam. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, should... I, I can make network cables. I, I can do those for <laughs> yeah. days. But... There you, oh, I know. Yeah, right. Uh, and then GMU Power Supply. Yeah. Uh, VC Jester <laughs> also gave us another $5 super chat earlier. It said, uh, Jeff, talk to Elena about front panel connectors. Team up and defeat that evil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's... The next step, but and I, I said this a couple times too. I feel like 
I feel like this whole backside connector thing is just kind of getting the cobwebs off of the ATX spec and kind of getting people talking and working together and dreaming up possibilities. Because I think once everyone has got over this, which I, I don't feel like it's a, a, a monumental thing to get over, once they start talking, I think then everyone else will start talking about like, oh, well, now that we've done this, what else could we do? Could we put the RAM on the backside? Does it make there, sense to, to there's you know? There's a really, yeah. really big one that's, I think, floating out there mm-hmm. that is kind of right in front of our faces. And it's these massive three and four slot graphics cards <sighs> going into a standard that was developed in, what, 1982? Right. With the ISA standard um, that are, you know, these are heavy things. Are. And <laughs> ITX case or, you know, ATX case design was made for, you know... Uh, a network card or a serial port or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. and you know even some of the heavier agp cards were starting you know we started seeing some sag on the back of those we'll, that we'll, was will's got the will's got the the solution there you go I, you look you just put one of these under the edge of the video card and then it'll yeah. hold it up so it'll <laughs> yeah. be fine yeah it just needs a foot like an extra leg yeah uh, are we going to standardize the foot what what's the what's the material of the right foot? now what's... you're operating on a three-legged table i'm bringing you the fourth leg there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so so but, that fourth leg thank you, you know while, while we're while we're talking about knocking the cobwebs off of atx let's let's talk about atx let's talk about you know down to the connector itself let's talk about orientation let's uh, yeah, let's let's get let's get crazy in here. No, I, yeah, I, I I really do think well, and that and also the mini ITX space has been doing a lot of crazy little innovations like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that between those two, like like I think we're gonna start seeing movement on it. We're we're definitely gonna start seeing more like oh, we should try this. What if we tried that? Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, we should just hang the video cards from the top. Then it's all on that one axis. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, we're gonna I mean, need some horrible nightmare PCI ribbon cable that goes uh, a forty-five degree twist midway up. Which actually, uh, we did see. Uh, so Thermal Take has their CTE, which yeah rotates the whole motherboard tray so that the connectors are out of the top. Uh, uh-huh. I did see. God, what case was it where the motherboard was rotated? But then the GPU itself was still uh, standard, but it was vertical, so the the PCI riser card kind of came down. Uh, so I mean, your of... ports were all sticking out the top of the PC, like on those old Silverstone Ravens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, thing. The Thermaltake has what the 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 Tower Five Hundred or something like that that does that. Yeah, so there, there's a couple of different different models of those. So uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, also interesting, which uh, you know we've talked about before. I don't want to beat it to death, but. AI that I feel like that was the big big thing of the show. Every goddamn appointment that we went to, somebody was like, "Well, let me talk to you about our AI strategy." Uh oh, really? You oh. You, you just make little feet that hold up graphics cards? That, yeah, but they were made with AI. Uh, I'm just kidding. We didn't we didn't get any of those appointments. But yeah, it was like everyone had AI to some degree. And Brad Charkis, who couldn't be here, he actually had a, a really good article. Uh, kind of he everyone place that we went he asked about their ai strategy and kind of you know got the oh. feedback and stuff like that and he he compiled it into an article being like hey should you care now you know what's been good what's been bad um I, a couple notable ones that i saw was like uh, motherboard manufacturers actually building uh, ai tools into their software um like uh, msi had oh it was a version of stable diffusion in their in their con- uh, control center oh no no it wasn't it was it msi oh no thank you 
yeah, I, or was that Gigabyte? I can't remember. A- anyway, so yeah, there, there was like in, inside of the software you could launch, you know, Stable Diffusion and, and run it in there. So bringing the tools uh, to to people, which is easier, I guess. But uh, RGB controllers suck enough as it is. Can we not yeah. integrate Stable Diffusion on top of it? Well, and Look, then I, yeah, and then some companies just essentially relabeling something that that already had some sort of like automatic control to being like, well, now it's AI controlling it automatically. It's like. Wait, so so you're saying before AI, it was, you know, j- judging the thermal temperature of your laptop and ramping up fan curves and adjusting wattages based off of, you know, uh, the temperatures. Now you're saying AI is doing the same thing. Is it better? No, it's, it's the same. <laughs> you Did you know? change the algorithm at all? Is yeah. it using CUDA processing? Right, is yeah, it? no. <laughs> so, Look, yeah. the marketing team said... This is what we have. We have to have an AI strategy it. right now. So it's all we're all in right. on this new strategy. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, I, I, I will. I will say, actually, after Brad had left, because Brad left a little earlier than we did, uh, there was one use of AI that I was like, oh, oh, you know what? I actually kind of like this use of AI. Uh, we went to the a data, uh, a data, a data, XPG, same company. Um, yeah. yeah. And they had a uh, they had a cooler uh, that they said they they're they've been uh, uh, running uh, training on the cooler in various uh, cases uh, and orientations and things like that to say hey uh, in the future you'll be able to to put in uh, who knows if this will come but the the idea is that you'll be able to put in hey uh, this is the case I'm using. This is a configuration I'm using, how many fans, and it, it'll already have trained to say, hey, here's the optimal airflow. So the the, the fans were uh, not bidirectional, but reverse flowing to say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, imagine if you were like, okay, I have my AIO and then I have three case fans. I plop it in this case. It's already done the training on that and it automatically says, oh, okay, the front, the front one should be intake and then the back one should be uh, exhaust. And, you know, so it kind of does that on the fly. And I was like, oh, okay. That actually would be an interesting way to like you know use AI to 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 take out a the the worry of like ooh which way should my my case fans so, be oriented? So just to be clear, the idea is that they're going to use more compute to determine the optimal cooling thing that generates more heat on the CPU to determine how to cool it more. I yeah, I, I don't I don't I, I, I don't think that's going to be a local instance of AI. I'm, no, I'm, no, 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 I guarantee. Oh, yeah. oh, no, oh no, no, so no, they're no, doing no, the profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. They're uh, doing the uh, profile sorry, ahead of time. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah sorry. And, and then you give them your system specs or parts <laughs> well, and then we, it'll go, oh, we've yeah. already done the modeling for yes. that. Asian filtering will do that on the machine. You don't have to do any AI for that. It'll just work itself out. Just when the number goes up, you make the other. Yeah, anyway. I've been kind of toying with a video idea and that is contacting everyone i work with and and saying where do you see oh wait hold, hold on uh, jeff's calling me you got a question jeff jeff what's your question uh hey adam uh hey, where up? do you see ai integrating into your workflow uh locally with hardware ai running on your pc how is that actually going to impact your workflow, your day-to-day life, gaming, professionally, video editing, writing? What's it going to do? What's it going to look like? Uh, can it can it add more uh, star wipes into my video automatically? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Uh, uh, I think there's already a filter for that. But, oh, okay. Uh, well, easy then. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for calling. I'll talk to you later. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> when I when I tell Siri to turn off the lights in my office, 
they're using uh, the local accelerated machine learning on the on the on the um, A series processors to make that. That's pretty much it for me, right? Like that's the number one for me. That right. and like and the frame generation stuff on the DLSS is probably mm-hmm. all I'm using for the foreseeable future. Right, but every single company came out with an AI strategy at at CES or or during their announcement you know a, a, AMD and Nvidia obviously came out with a bunch of hardware and you know Intel's touting you know the first AI accelerated PC and what what is that actually going to mean for the end user locally running whatever model on their PC how are they going to use that well, what does that look like it, it means the same thing that it always does like i i in f- full disclosure i made money doing this with v like my vr company we sold a bunch of stuff to corporations who wanted to have a vr strategy mm-hmm. and you know that that happens because in some boardroom one c-level person looks at another c-level person and is like hey what is our vr strategy by the way and then they're like <laughs> oh well i know these guys and we're we're working on some stuff and it's it's like it's because they have to know they have to be able to tell investors Hey, this is we're doing we're doing AI stuff. We think it's important. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And in three years, we won't be talking about it. It's the same as it always is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I do think obviously there's a push for hardware. So the the local stuff, uh, there was definitely a lot of de- you know, there's been a lot of debate of back and forth between local versus cloud. The uses for local versus you know. Uh, yeah. and, and the, the strengths and weaknesses uh, of each of them i think the the generic rebranding everything of ai is like eh, okay whatever you know not everything you know has ai also i mean what does ai mean we've already been using ai in a lot of ways nvidia would like to say hey we we already had ai uh, hardware with the 20 series uh, so you've been already using it uh, intel's you know yeah uh, but then uh, the new apus the new ryzen 8000 apus two of the the processors have uh, the first desk socketable desktop NPU uh, NPUs, in there, right. and they they yeah. they were obviously first in laptops. Uh, Intel has their strategy, but the NPU itself is good at certain things, but not others. You know, so it it does get confusing, especially with the whole NPU versus CPU and GPU thing, where it's like, oh well, everything just runs better on the NPU. Well, actually, not. Uh, that one's the more efficient option. Uh, the, in some cases, actually, you still want to use the GPU. That that that's going to be uh, better right. computationally. So I, I don't know. It's. I mean, I think people are, when they talk about AI right now, they're thinking about generative models like like ChatGPT yeah. and Stable Diffusion and yep. Dolly and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And which and, for the most part is cloud based. Obviously, there are some people yeah. doing local stuff on that, but yeah. But but I mean the the the. The thing that happened last year is we saw an incredible explosion in the quality of content that was generated by those tools. We also saw that there's a lot of problems with a lot of the stuff, right? Like the, there's still a completely unclear copyright picture about anything that's generated using those models. The the way those models are trained is actively violating copyright, we think, but we won't know until the courts decide to talk about it. And at the end of the day, I think we might we might see an earlier ceiling to the quality of the stuff that comes out of those generative models than we were expecting because we're already throwing an incredible amount of compute power at yeah. at things like ChatGPT and Dolly mm-hmm. and the the you know ChatGPT4 got worse than ChatGPT3 um we're not going to see like I I think we're going to see a ceiling on that stuff way before so instead of it being the new way that we do writing I think what we're going to end up seeing is it's the new way that we generate incredibly high value spam and like we're already seeing fraudulent <laughs> stuff where people are 
taking public figures voices people who talk a lot on the internet are getting their parents are getting calls they're like hey i need bail i've been arrested in florida someplace and it sounds like you so (sighs) i i don't think that i think we're going to see that stuff used for like least common denominator um like this this is my hot take for the episode i guess yeah yeah Yeah. that makes sense uh well we've hit our ai quota yeah uh, Clark in the in the chat says AI is AI this AI that I'm losing it. Uh, yeah, we, we don't have to keep going with AI. It's obviously I'm, I'm just waiting for Ian to make topic. a supercut of all of us saying AI. AI, I just I'm waiting for my my AI rabbit pre order to come in so I can have a little thing that sits in my shirt pocket and does nothing for me. So <laughs> it'll be really exciting. <laughs> but it's made by Teenage Engineering. They make cool stuff. Um, Look, they yeah. they're they're contracted to design cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, Adam, that's yeah. the yeah. Anyway, true. Uh, so yeah. Outside of outside of the PC at CES, though, we didn't really see too much. We didn't really go to show floors. The last day, we kind of poked around a little bit, but mostly it was in the the dark corners of the the Shenzhen Plaza. And, yeah, uh, we fi- it's finally back. Yeah, it's back. It's back. In, How'd you feel, Adam? Yeah, about oh no, that. I was excited. Yeah, you'll see in our uh, Willis is uh, furiously working on a, a BTS video uh, of yeah all of our. CES shenanigans, but then also coming back to the Shenzhen Plaza, which it was gone last year, uh, if you remember that uh, from our, our behind the scenes video. But yeah, Ian says Intel is winning at 2.7 AI mentions per minute right now. AMD is second at 2.3. There you go. Uh, uh, you, you didn't see the parky? Uh, Adam, I it was. Is this one of those fake ones that you made up for your show? This is uh, a real. So we did. Okay. We did. We did a yeah. new. What might be my new favorite segment of the year this week on the on the tech. Pod, it was pretty funny. Which is that we we each came with a whole bunch of real CES products and then made up like two or three uh, to see if we could fool the other person with which which were real, which were fake. The Parky is a real thing. It's a robot that goes underneath your car, uh, puts little lifts and lifts the wheels off the ground and then like scoots it around like a, like a warehouse floor. It's like a robot valet. I don't think they're actually going to sell any of them. I mean, I don't think they're going to ship a whole lot of them, but it, it is a thing that exists yeah. and is a product. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm, I'm trying to think anything out of the P outside of the PC, like I said, it, when you're in that zone, we don't really cover too much other than that. Oh, I, I was going to ask, Jeff, uh, you you are a home lab guy. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a g- good word or bad word uh, around these parts. Uh, but Yes. <laughs> was there anything home lab you saw out of CES that, that you think was interesting? Um, There's unfortunately not a lot of things that I was super excited about. The thing with Home Lab is we'll usually take just whatever consumer parts are are thrown our way and and put them into home servers and and whatnot. Um, and like I said, there there weren't any like CPU announcements. GPU is always kind of difficult to integrate because a lot of that tech is behind closed doors as far as VDI and cloud gaming and all kinds of stuff that I've dived into before. Um, so what I tend to look at for home lab stuff is super power efficient. You know, how can I, you know, the last couple of years has been building up my server rack out in my garage and, and filling it full of enterprise hardware and whatnot and realize it draws a thousand Watts <laughs> and, uh, and then, okay, well, let's make that more efficient. What, what kind of efficiency do I need? What kind of performance do I need out of this? And can I replace my 300 watt, you know, one U server with a 65 watt chip and still have double the performance? Uh, so there weren't a lot of like low power stuff that, that caught my eye. Well, what do you think about the Ryzen APs? Do you think those will be good options? 
there'll be there'll be fine options. Uh, one of the, I take that back. Uh, the biggest thing with the Ryzen APUs with uh, what is it? Hawkpoint is is this this next generation? Uh, the eight thousand series. Um, is uh, with the seven eighty M they have AV one encoding, mm. and so if you run oh. a, a Plex or a Jellyfin really? or something wow. like that, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Does does it, it work in Linux, Jeff? Uh, I believe it works in Linux. Uh, it uh, Plex has stated they they do not plan on supporting it at all uh, as far as AV one goes. But as far as like Jellyfin, MB, or anything like that, if you run one of those instead of you know going out and buying a GPU for three hundred dollars, if you could run your entire VM stack on an eighty seven hundred G and have AV1 on board, all the better. Last year, I switched my uh, old Broadwell E FreeBSD home server Mm -hmm. to like a $100 B-Link and a NAS and a Synology NAS. Um, And I saw a $20 reduction in my monthly power supply. Right. Like it was, it was an immediate change. Uh, Monthly power bill, not power supply. Um, And, and with the quick sync support on the Intel stuff running, when I got that working, Mm -hmm. there was no appreciable difference in the, in the, in the, in like Plex serving and all the stuff I use for it. So it was, it was, it was a real eye opening moment in terms of what, like, like I, I, there's, there's, there's interest there, whether people at CES are going to show stuff. I, I don't know. Right. right. Yeah, uh, I, I went through the same kind of thing. Uh, January 2023, uh, like I said, I went out to my rack and it was drawing like 900 watts. And I'm like, that's what I'm taking care of this year is, is getting <laughs> yeah. that power draw down. My server rack out in the garage has more virtualization power available to it today. And it's drawing about 350 at idle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I actually swapped out uh, a lot of uh, Ivy and Haswell uh, generation gear uh, for uh, there's a company out of china called iryang that is taking intel mobile cpus uh tiger lake and, and mm-hmm. alder lake and putting them on atx motherboards and so you get 65 watt 10 12 14 core parts that draw you know next to nothing and then you that... can put real ram configs in them too which is nice because the, right. the the small form factor the small boxes you're limited to usually like 16 or 16 gigs at most i think right mm. right exactly and so i've i've got two of those boxes two of the eight core boxes running 64 gigs each uh, and uh and they put out to pasture some of my my 12 and 8 12 and 16 core boxes uh so that you know 20 percent of the power draw nice adam i have, I have a question for you yeah. something I, I know you love uh everything that folds you love a folding tech right mm, oh yeah I, I've, I've, s- I've been maining the uh, the OnePlus Open recently. That is a that <laughs> yeah. is a wide a wide boy. Yeah. Um, did you see the foldable portable monitor that ASUS was showing? We did. Yeah. No. Um, the it was beautiful, uh, and I I love that idea because we actually do take portable monitors to work. Uh, in in so in in our hotel room, I set up the laptop. It was actually this laptop, and then I have a a portable monitor next to it. But uh, yeah, if I could have a folding one. The screen real estate is one thing, but honestly, it's the travel that's the other thing. Yes. Because, yeah, like I, I was worried, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, sometimes you worry about, you know, packing gear and traveling with gear and being able to have it fold actually makes it, makes, makes me feel more secure about it. Yeah. Uh, I will say the, the, the one thing that I did notice, you, I know you guys talked about it in the, the latest episode, but um, when we first saw a folding laptop, it was the Lenovo ThinkBook X1 or whatever. Uh, their folding laptop and the, and they they it had a, a specific kind of um, bezel and a hinge design to it 
And then I started seeing it. Uh, there was another company that came out with a folding one. And I was like, wait, this is the same like outer shell and, and hinge mechanism. It's actually the same one that's on the Asus. So I like, I, I think oh. the, yeah, the, it, it's not, it's not bad. It's, I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I just think there, there's like a, there's some, there's some manufacturer out there who's making these portable displays uh, that, it, you know, like it, it all looks the same. So it's got the same bezels, got the same thickness, the hinge technology, you know, uh, looks similar. Is, uh, is it like bar hinge, small bar hinge? Is it that, that kind of thing? Is that what, what, what we're talking about? Uh, I mean, it, it, it depends. Uh, but like, I, I mean, we, we didn't see the inside of it or anything like okay, that. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, the, the actual hinge itself might be different on the Asus one, but like it definitely looked like that first generation ThinkBook X1 when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's funny. It, it, there must be some manufacturer out there who just is cranking them out and everybody's re- rebranding them for different reasons. It's, um, you, you kids these days have it so easy going to CS with your laptop computers <laughs> and your portable monitors. Right. Back in my Will, day. Will was, Will was hugging around a 24-inch uh, a Sony Trinitron CRT. And, and doing <laughs> Look, we, we carried full-size cheese grater Mac Pros at Tested. We had, to, we had to load them on the back of a van, and I would get up Saturday morning before CES and drive <laughs> over the mountain. Uh, it's only 11 hours from San Francisco, but, um, <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. there, there was only one year where we actually shipped down towers and, and monitors and, you know, the, the full rig thing. And, and it was like, I was like, oh, I'm never oh. doing that again. <laughs> yeah, it was, wow, it yeah. was the, the, the hotel people were always really impressed when we would be like, Hey, we need, we were going to need four or five Bellman carts here. Uh, <laughs> and, and it would just, it would just be desktop PC after desktop PC rolling in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So interesting stuff. The the last thing that I'm excited to talk more about uh, is the MSI Claw, the their new handheld that has uh, uh, Meteor Lake in it. I have Lake. one right here, actually. Just kidding. <laughs> ah, just kidding. That was a joke. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> oh boy. No, uh, MSI's calling right now. Uh, no, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> that's where that went. Yeah. So MSI MSI let me borrow one to to take it up and show it off during the live episode. Uh, that we did up at the ACs booth, um, and then the person who had given it to me uh, had went back to the booth. So there was a point in time where I was un- unattended by any sort of rep <laughs> to uh, wow. the, between the the ACs booth and taking it back down to the MSI booth. I actually filmed a little. It'll be in the behind the scenes thing. It was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, and I was like, hmm, I could I could take the back off this thing, or I could walk away accidentally. Nah. I'm, I wouldn't do that, uh, but yeah, I, I guess the question for I you, might. Jeff, because I, I know Jeff, you're you're a big fan of the handhelds as well. What yeah. do you think about the Claw and specifically about Meteor Lake uh, and its chances versus AMD? Finally, uh, right? Competition is good. Competition is good. Competition, you know, raises the bar, and and you know, a, a rising water raises all ships, and and that's uh, look, I. I like Will said, I, I'm very bullish on Arc. I, I think you know more competition in the space, especially at the APU space, is is incredibly important. What I am even more bullish on is probably Intel and their mobile graphics. Uh, for a while, because there's been no competition in the APU space, we get you know for what was it three or four generations in a row, we had the same Vega integrated graphics with eight compute units on every APU that rolled out. Sure, bad. 
I mean, they were serviceable. You could game they on were them. Serviceable, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, they also weren't great uh, or or good. You could even say. Uh, and then you know, when the mobile handhelds started coming out, we started. They started bumping back up to you know eleven and now twelve compute units, uh, and and now we're getting RDNA two and RDNA three in in the newest ones, mm-hmm. uh, but we're we're kind of still sitting right there at, at twelve compute unit, and uh, even though AMD has produced a twenty four compute unit APU package in the past in collaboration with Intel, uh, mm-hmm. thank yep. you Skull Canyon, um, KB like G, yeah KB like G. Uh, but there's been nothing like that since uh, and and no real indication that AMD is going to try to compete with, you know, high level graphics, probably for the fear that it would cannibalize some of their their other markets or or something like that. If Intel's going to come in and they're going to put, you know, 32 execution units on on a on a an Alchemist or a Battle Mage integrated chip, that's going to force AMD to answer and that's going to raise the the level of graphics that we're getting in these APUs. So mm-hmm. whether this one outwardly competes right now with the 780M, which is the current high water mark for AMD mobile graphics, or uh, you know, even if it's close, it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what happens in six or eight months when when we start seeing uh, Battle Mage come out. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, obviously the the video we had up had a, a lot of comments on it and a lot of people being like, I mean, there's a lot of take. Oh, it just looks like an ROG Ally. Uh, no, you mean it looks like a handheld? Like how many <laughs> how many different form factors can you get? Like I I didn't I don't fully understand that one. Uh, there's whatever. a finite combination of yeah, fingers that like, you can. Yeah, I was just like, oh, they're just ripping off Ace. It's like, mm, I mean, it's just a screen with a controller uh, on the it's side. It's just a yeah, Game Gear. I, it's, yeah. it's a bigger Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't... It's I, a Game I Boy Wide. Game Boy Wide. Yeah. That. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do think competition is good in the space. Uh, and, I mean, especially for efficiency, that that's kind of the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for these handhelds. But it also translates into thin and light laptops. Um so yeah, I, I'm 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 curious about it. Uh, obviously, we haven't had any any testing. They're not in uh, for release, but uh, I competition's good, and and I I really think they actually can compete uh, in this mm-hmm. space and and will continue to go forward. Uh, I will say that that interview we did with Tom uh, uh, Tom Peterson uh, Tap was was fun. It was fun to to sit down with him and talk about this because obviously he's passionate about it. And he was like, man, you know, the learnings that we've been able to take with the discrete cards, apply them to the, to the, uh, the arc GPU in meteor Lake is, is definitely mm-hmm. been a, a huge thing. So you're getting the same driver updates day one, or they call them day zero, whatever. Um, and then, and then, yes, I, I did push, uh, on battle mage. I did ask, uh, you know, on the video, and then actually off the video, I did uh, you know try to push some more, and he's like, well, "Listen, I would really love to talk about it, but you know, uh, now, you know, now is not the time." And I was like, yeah, "I totally get it. I, I totally yep. get it. You know, yep. uh, does, doesn't hurt to ask." Thought we were friends, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> is is there um? Do they announce pricing for the for the for the um the MSI thing? The clog, yeah. Claw? So it it starts. Uh, the low end model is six ninety nine, so seven hundred dollars, just like the Z one extreme version of the ROG Ally or the Lenovo Legion Go. Uh, that comes with the Core Ultra five. Um, can't remember the 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 number. 
it's not yeah. 155 it's 155 h I is think it 155 the... okay uh yeah. and then and then there uh you you step up so there's three different versions um you step up the the top two options have the same ultra 7 cpu uh but uh more storage um yeah i i, I can't remember off the top of my head how much it is i think it's maybe 512 and in, in one terabyte i can't remember uh, and yeah. then I got conflicting reports. Uh, I, I thought MSI had told me that very top end option uh, doesn't have 32 gigs of RAM, but I did see some people being like, oh, no, that top end option has 32 gigs of RAM. I, uh, yeah, mm. so I was a little confused on that, but I, I, I like having the options. And I mean, it, it's it's hard. I mean, the price, it is hard to compete with a Steam Deck, but also I don't. I actually am fine with a lot of the Windows-based handhelds uh, and think there is a reason for them to exist. And uh, I do appreciate them for where, where they're at. And for that price premium, I, I still feel like you, you're getting a pretty good uh, experience. Obviously, because it is Intel, it does have Thunderbolt 4 support. Somebody in the comments asked about Thunderbolt 5. And the story there is that, hey, right now it's discrete. It's not integrated onto the CPU uh, in this mm. version and, and who knows for the next version. And to have a discrete Thunderbolt 5 chip in there just would add cost to it. And, you know, how many people are actually going to use the Thunderbolt 5 port? So it, it didn't really make sense at this point. But who knows, maybe in the future when it becomes discrete, uh, that's a whole separate thing. Mm. But, yeah, so. I, I, I'm curious about battery life on this stuff. I Like the 1080p screen on that size device, I, I'm kind of... I'm I'm skept, generally skeptical of I think so. Um, MSI's claims because it it is the largest battery out there, 58 watt hour battery. They're saying mm-hmm. between the efficiency of uh, I I don't know the exact testing, but their claims are b- between the efficiency of Meteor Lake and the uh, 58 uh, uh, watt hour battery that that the, on comparable allies, you're actually going to get. Uh, you know, and running the latest and greatest thing where the ally can can last for about an hour and a half. They're saying they last for two. Yeah, I, I was seeing MSI claim two hours at full tilt. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know what brightness, but they said, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we'll have to test it, but hopefully MSI is not coming out claiming something that they can't support because <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that would just look bad. Um but it sounds like battery life is they, they're definitely thinking about it. That's why they put a larger battery in there. They probably wanted to get away with even a larger battery than that. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, I, maybe around I, I just got one in with a uh, 75 watt hour battery. Was it the Coon? The, the Coon. Coon? Oh, yeah. man. Mine's still on, on back order. Yep. Uh, yep. God. Yeah. I, I want to try that. Yeah. Um, re- review coming probably another week and a half or so yeah, on that one. Yeah. But, yeah. So. It's funny for me, though, I actually don't care about battery life at all, personally, because mm-hmm. I'm always on the couch and I'm always I just have a plug right there and I'm like, oh, yeah. OK, I'll just plug in. So I, like, I yeah, I always play games on the Steam Deck that are like I, I hardly ever play anything that's going to hit battery. And if I do, I usually am streaming it from the PC in the other room mm-hmm. so that then it's just a video stream and, and the battery's like six hours at that point. Like, long, yeah, the battery's longer than I'm going to play. Right. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I would say the only time that I really do care about it is when I take it on, on trips. Like I, I know the steam deck is the most efficient option. So that's what I would use to game on like a plane or, you know, going mm-hmm. on a trip kind of thing. Uh, I, I will, it, will it be steam deck efficient, especially steam deck OLED efficient? <laughs> Probably not, but I do think it, it will at least f- compete with the ROG ally. Like I, I don't think yeah. it's going to be a dumpster fire um, by any stretch. So, 
I, I'm really curious if Intel's working on their, like working on a, a their version of the Steam OS, like because you know, Valve has famously done a lot of work on AMD drivers and mm-hmm. and and the Vulcan uh, DK DK Vulcan DK DK Vulcan. I can't remember um, to 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 get that running on the APUs well to get x86 games running on the on the APUs well um, or Windows games running on the APUs well. Rather, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm, I'm getting tired. Uh, I wonder. I, I'm I'm curious if Intel's working on the drivers in the same way. That that's the that's the because that's to me one of these higher powered machines running Steam OS seems really compelling. I don't understand why they don't really exist at this point. Uh, I I know Ionio just announced this last week. They have uh, their Ionio Next Two is going to be shipping with uh, with uh, Steam OS uh, through Hollow ISO. Oh, is it? But is it yeah. a is it an APU or is it an Intel box? It's it's APU. It's uh, it's yeah. AMD APU. Yeah, Low so that's APU. a little yep. easier transition, I think. You right? know, though, I have heard because a lot of people were excited about that. I I I did ask, uh, you know, some some people about like, hey, do you think we'll ever get an option of a handheld that can dual boot? You know, say, oh, if you want Windows, you just boot into one side. If you want SteamOS, you boot into the other. And it sounds like Valve is, you know, and and rightfully so not um not excited to really put the the version of steam os on other handhelds you know i mean sure there is that steam os for through the whole iso but it is not the same thing i am no, actually not, not excited for it i think yeah. there's a reason why most companies aren't just doing that i i'm curious to see how the the ioni device uh pans out but i i am not i don't know i i don't think valve is going to come out with an equivalent uh, Steam OS for handhelds anytime soon because why would they? What, what would they get out of it? Well, but I mean, I guess my point is, it's a lot of it's open, so there's no there's fun, mm-hmm. like fun, fundamentally, it's behind the scenes work that you would need to do to make that getting the Intel drivers up to speed rather than yeah. like it's not like they have to reinvent the whole thing. They can just take the you know pull the repo and rebuild it with the with the right drivers and ship their own version like there's there's nothing stopping them except for time and dev energy and dev effort and money and you know all the normal things yeah well, one things. of the one of the biggest hurdles i see with uh with steam os on the steam deck versus other devices is that tight integration with with power control and brightness and and you know all uh the 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 steam controller itself you know how do you use the track pads how do you remap the controller yeah that's all dev time that would need to go into each individual device or each individual individual platform if you're using amd versus intel or yeah. hey maybe nvidia gets into the mix and throws an mx350 into a something yeah but so the benefit uh, is you get tight integration with the with the controls and you're not trying to finger thing you know do do touch screen windows on a tiny on a yeah. tiny screen so yeah, yeah I, I i just I, I understand why a lot of people don't like the windows experience on handhelds i'm okay with it i have no problem with it I and I honestly I think it's here to stay for a while. So any you know anyone thinking that Microsoft is gonna you know come out with a, 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 a you know a, a light version of of the OS or Steam OS is gonna get widely adopted. If, I I don't. Think if you're relying on soon. Microsoft to develop a GUI fix, their control <laughs> panel has been broken since XP Service Pack three. So yeah, yeah. look, they they already did the GUI fix for small touch screens. It's called Windows eight. We all loved it. Uh, yeah, we're tiles, we're, man. We're all using those tiles today. Hell and yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we're man. We we've been going for a while. I do want to switch over to uh, Q and A. Uh, we've got a real quick. There's a up? super chat uh, that came in uh, from two dollars. Easy gestures asking, you. "Hey, uh, I heard a rumor that Gordon is a handheld convert." It's true. It's true. Awesome. I, 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 yeah, I, t- I talked about it on uh, 
on a on I think on the stream at a, a CES, yeah. but yeah, he uh, he sent me a photo of a Nintendo Switch in his hand, and he's like, "Oh, this thing's awesome." Uh, I I'm, I'm gonna save more commentary for when I can get him back on to uh, to chat <laughs> about it because uh, we we have some. We have some things to catch up on. Well, uh, with so many handouts, I wonder what I'll oh. choose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Um, so he's just you... gotten real into Smash, I guess, is yeah. my guess. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's yeah. a big uh, Smash player. Uh, hooks yeah. up his, uh, his uh, uh, um, GameCube well, controller. controller. Yeah, he's clearly. using the GameCube yeah. controller. Yeah, Wayford probably, yeah, knowing yeah. Gordon. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's like, what? Uh, anyway, if you have a question, uh, get them in now. We're, we're going to do limited questions real quick so we can get out of here. But if it's a really good one, uh, I'll get to it. Uh, or if you're watching or listening to this later, go over to the link to the Discord that's in the description. We have a channel over there for uh, questions on the show, and hopefully you can get them read. Uh, I do have some Super Chats that I want to get to. Uh, POV walks with... I don't know. I can't read the rest of it. Roven, uh, it's getting cut off because it's too long. Uh, five Canadian dollars earlier. Thank you so much. Said a question for Jeff: How do you focus your laser engraving objects with radius and height changes, like the mug you showed earlier? I got it. I had the same question. I'm glad they asked. Like this mug. Uh, so I have a a rotary jig. Uh, so it's a it's a motorized uh, second axis for it. Uh, I'm actually using uh, Galvo lasers, which is. Uh, a, a set of mirrors that actually points the laser wherever it needs to go. So instead of having a gantry that moves back and forth X, XY like a 3D printer would, it's just a laser beam that shoots in very precise patterns. Um, I'll, I've actually been looking at doing a full breakdown video of how I do my merch and what equipment that I use for it. It's a, it's a really cool system if you've never seen a Galvo laser work. Uh, but cool. kind, kind of like cameras, uh, the laser does have a focus plane. Uh, and so you, you can be above it or below it within a certain amount. And depending on what lens and whatnot, you can widen or narrow that focus plane. Uh, so nice. little height differences like on here, uh, the lens that I'm using, that's, that's a non-issue. Hmm. Um, so as long as we're within like five mil or so of, of where the focus plane is at, you'll never notice a difference, uh, in the cut quality. That's fat. That's really cool. Nice. I dig it. Uh, Lucifer gave us $6 and 66 cents. Uh, always on point with that one. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> when Xbox used checkerboard rendering, people flipped. Now DLSS and FSR are the norm. What do you prefer regular or fake frames? I hate the term fake frames. How fake really do you do. like your frames? I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I play, I play single player stuff at, at the highest possible settings, and and when uh, when Digital Foundry did their thing last year, the year before with Forza Horizon, where they're like, you know, thirty frames a second with uh, motion blur on isn't that bad. I watched that video and I tried it, and I was like, man, okay, this isn't that bad. Um, but also, I, you know, I play competitive stuff. I, I like, I just. I'll turn DLSS on happily if it gives me if it smooths out micro stutters and frame rate all day long and I'm mm-hmm. not going to complain ever. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh I I don't like the term fake frames. I I hate it because I, yes, it's it's fake. It's not straight up rasterized rendering that we've known for 20 years, but at the same time it's a new way of making sure that your gameplay stays smooth. And when I'm playing, you know, 
when I'm playing games, I'm not sitting there pixel peeping. I'm, I just want a good experience playing the game. I want it to be smooth, not jittery. Um, and, uh, you know, turning on DLSS or frame generation or whatever else to help my experience be better and me not go, oh, there's a little artifact in the corner right there. And, oh, this game is unplayable. I've never once said that. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, oh, sorry, Adam, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I feel like upscaling especially now like a, like i don't see too many people angry about upscaling anymore it has gotten to a good spot whether you're you know dlss fsr xess like there's some good upscaling tech out there and you're really not missing much if you just have the equipment and you turn it on you know it d- depends on the game depends on the implementation that kind of thing and obviously it, it works good on handhelds too you know i, I use it there a lot I, I think it's more the frame generation now is like the thing and like even for me like it definitely is just like uh it's just a little bit of an outlier i'm I'm still not fully on board on the frame generation stuff where dlss upscaling stuff uh, you know uh, after dlss 1.0 i'm like okay i'm I'm in i don't hate motion smoothing on my tv in fact i have it turned on okay we're gonna get out of here uh (laughs) thank you everybody our guest is never never gonna be brought back uh There's a final nail in that coffin. Uh, oh my god! I'm, you know, I don't even want to talk about that. We're we're running short on time. <laughs> Sorry, Will. You you were going to say something before I really no no no. I was just going to say. Get I, out of, I, 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 I want to get out of the far can, can away. Can we talk about Washington. GPU reviews again? Yeah. I, I want to go back to that safe space. Wow. Um, like like people have bad feelings about interpolation from the time when like the Xbox 360 PS three generation was live and we were people were upscaling 480p to 1080p and it looked janky and bad Halo three yeah and yeah. and now we're you know now we're we're starting with more pixels the technology's gotten mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. it feels better the, the same thing's going to happen as we move from the raster pipeline to a ray trace pipeline or, or less of a hybrid more of a pure pure dynamic light pipeline we're going to see a lot of the same stuff happen right the stuff that was that was slow and janky now is going to feel archaic in 10 years and and we'll we will look back and be like oh yeah i didn't like frame generation ben it's great now i i, I mean that's my that's my as, i've seen as, this happen multiple times as kind of a parallel when's the last time that you genuinely cared about the resolution of your camera how many megapixels it had uh, the iPhone five was the last time I probably thought about my, that's when I stopped using my mirrorless and just started carrying the phone everywhere. I did the same thing. I, I sold my, my DSLR back when I got, I think my iPhone four S. Uh, so yeah. same exact time. Uh, I had a kid at that time and I, and the rule has always been the best camera is the one you carry with you. Guess what? The iPhone took good enough pictures for me to have all the pictures I ever wanted of my kid. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be the same kind of thing where resolution is going to be less of a thing moving forward. It's going to be just the experience, the smoothness, the the graphics quality less than, oh, was it rendered at 540p in the case of Halo 3 or was it rendered at 900p or 1080? Heck, I, th- I think Hogwarts Legacy on a lot of PCs uh, defaults to, uh, to sub-rendering, uh, de- defaults to uh, 1080p mm. resolution rendering and then upscaling to 1440 in the default settings so it's going to be less of a thing yeah uh a couple more questions and then we'll get out of here uh friend of the show green protagonist gave us ten dollar super chat thank you so much said i've seen more content from creators interested in vdi with the inter in uh, with the increase in handhelds do you think there is a future for vdi and in-home headless boxes for game streaming i hope so i love vdi as a technology uh i've uh 
used it. I mean, obviously I've covered it to death on my channel, it seems, but I, ha I also haven't covered it in a couple of years. Um, there's always going to be use cases for it. I, I think the one that's kind of reared its head since 2020 has been remote work and how do companies keep data safe? And, you know, rather than giving every engineer that we employ, uh, you know, Dell workstation replacement laptop that's three inches thick and costs us six grand, <laughs> could we just have them remote into a VDI box and do all their work on-prem and then have backups of that data and have the data never leave our facility because they're literally just viewing a monitor of it. Uh, and... Uh, you know, that's fantastic. With the uptick in handhelds, the question is going to be graphics quality versus stream quality versus latency versus a lot of different things. The handhelds, while they're getting good enough to play 1080p 60 frames per second, we're still doing it at low settings because that's the silicon that we have inside those handhelds. Mm. Battery life is still a concern because you're drawing, you know, 35 and, and sometimes 40 watts out of your handheld. When if you were just streaming, you could do it for five watts, like like Will said earlier with the Steam Deck doing NVIDIA Game Stream. Um, there's going to be use cases for VDI, but how willing are companies to let that technology go? Because right now it's a licensed technology from both AMD and, and NVIDIA uh, outside of single use, single instance, single graphics card kind of situations. Mm. Um, we'll see. I, I think it's for, for home consumer use, it's much more likely that people just mash the stream this game button in their Steam Deck to their to their Steam PC. Like yeah. I like I've installed Moonlight and Sun Sunshine and all that stuff to, mm -hmm. to get that running on my on my machines for the instances where the Steam implementation doesn't work the way I would want it to. But for the most part, I just hit the Steam button and, and I think that's I, I think realistically that's what people are gonna do. Yeah. And the uh I this Side tangent, uh, I have definitely, if, if there's certain games that I know a handheld just won't run, say like Alan Wake 2, right? Mm -hmm. I want to play that with all the bells and whistles. There's no handheld <laughs> under the earth right now for any time soon uh, that will play, you know, full path tracing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but GeForce Now, uh, I've been able to have some good success there. Once again, that, that depends on your network and, you know, your environment and stuff like that and how much you care about latency and stuff. But I feel like a game like that, I don't care too much about Twitch shooting and, you know, it is more about the visuals and doesn't need high frame rates kind of thing. And so, yeah, it, it that's another use case, I think. I mean, that's also, you know, you got to pay for an expensive handheld. You probably have to have an, an expensive network and, you know, whatever uh, game you streaming services. you got to have the graphics card to drive it on, on the, the server. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So, you know, it, it's more of a, a privileged kind of stance. But, you know, I've definitely <laughs> seen like an opportunity like, oh, OK, I could see this being an option in the future for sure. Well, and if you're untethered, you gotta have Wi-Fi that's good. Like, like a lot, most of the time when people tell me, "Hey, I've tried this and it didn't work very well," you ask them the question, and the answer is, "Hey, what, what, what's your Wi-Fi?" And they're like, "Oh, I'm running an 802.11n setup. I'm running and whatever I, Comcast gave me. Yeah, yeah. or it's yeah. built yeah. into my modem and it's across the house. I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna do what you need. Yeah, so this ain't it, boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also got a five dollar super chat from a friend of the show, Denever One G One. Thank you so much. Said, remember tablet mode for Windows 10. That was completely enough. Oh, competent enough. Certainly better than current Windows 11. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't know. I, for one, am glad that they're making Windows. Microsoft is making Windows for PCs and not for tablets again. Mm. First, it's a better experience for me on the day to day. Oh, yeah. oh, you know what? I Sorry, one last, one last CES thing that I didn't talk about on the show that I was thought was kind of interesting. Supposedly it's not a new thing. People in the chat were like, oh, this other laptop had it. Uh, Lenovo had uh, a, a laptop 
where you would pull off the screen, kind of detach, you know, like a Microsoft Surface kind of thing, yeah. and and then it would it would all of a sudden switch over to Android, uh, and then you dock it back in. They've done and that. It's in they, they've done that for that's been a, that's been a in and out for years. They keep they keep testing the waters with that one, right? You know, but <laughs> yeah. like this implementation was super smooth, and I was like, wait, is it just emulating? Like, is Windows eleven here, and it's emulating? Uh, and they were like, no, it's two completely separate systems. The top part with the screen had a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a separate battery, separate storage, all that kind of stuff. And then the base itself is what had Windows, separate battery, separate storage, all that kind of stuff. And when you're docking it, you're just putting the Android device to sleep, but it had a, a handy little button that you press and all of a sudden uh, the it, it relaunches uh, Android and then you can use it, you know, the full keyboard and trackpad experience on that. More so, and, I'm, and than, I'm sure the file sync devices was just a super smooth transition too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they they also had a, another mode where you would stay in Windows 11, but you would launch Android, and it's not emulating it in there. It's actually uh, running it and then passing it through in a separate window. So I, you know, kind of interesting little thing. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I could see, I could see a use case for that. It was it was pretty interesting. Probably for people who like their Android tablets much more than I do. I think is yeah. the yeah yeah yeah. Um, Anyway, all right. Uh, yeah, we, we should get out of here because I'm hungry. Uh, and yeah, I, I got to let these fine gentlemen go. Um, yeah, I, I do want to uh, thanks thank uh, Will and Jeff for for showing up. Will, uh, where where should I point people to? Where where do you want uh, people to go? Well, you can find the tech pod at techpod.content.town. It's where all good content lives. Um, yeah, the content and, town. Head over to the yeah, content I, town. I, also, if you're hiring and want a generalist who does podcasts and communication stuff, I'm looking right now. So um, yeah. you can Hire find me man. at willsmith.ws. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and yeah, definitely go listen to the podcast. It's an awesome podcast. Uh, Jeff, so. uh, what, do you, what do you do again, Jeff? Why did I invite you here? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I mean, your your server wasn't broken today, so I really had nothing to do here. Uh, I'm Jeff. Smoothing aficionado, yeah, I think. Smoothing aficionado. I'm Jeff with Craft Computing. Uh, I review everything from PC enthusiast hardware to servers to home labs to handhelds to VR to anything that I'm interested in. You'll find it over on my channel, uh, Craft Computing on YouTube. And in fact, in five hours, I'm going to be doing my podcast, Talking Heads. Uh, so uh, oh, yeah, I, I get to spend another... Wednesday another two and a half uh, hours evening, right? on camera this evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well. Uh, and and Will, sorry, my budget can't afford you. So, oh no, it's okay. It's uh, okay. I'm I'm uh, you know, you come in and I'm always around to to come in and 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 swing by and say hi. Though somebody Jeff, needs, yeah, somebody needs to give Will some money uh, and so, beer. Yeah, and beer. <laughs> I mean. Sure. I heard that there was beer there, but I've never seen it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. That, that's all I'm saying. Too. <laughs> yeah. um, well, check back next week for your picks, a fix of PC talk here on the full nerd uh, to listen to us on the go. Subscribe to us on Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube music, pocket Casts, anywhere you can point your RSS reader to every time you do. Jeff comes over and turns on the f- motion smoothing on your TV. Uh, no, no, it's, it's one of the many services oh my I God. offer. Yeah, uh, unsubscribing real yeah, quick. Please. This has been great having you uh, all yeah. in my feeds. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank uh, Will for for stopping by. Thank you, Will. It's always good to have you. Any pronounced Jeff? Is there anything else I can ruin for you? <laughs> hey, well, and Adam, next time I promise I won't call you Brad four times when you come on the on the tech pod. So it was, um, it was yeah. fun. It was fun. <laughs> I understood. Uh, though I am no replacement for Brad Shoemaker, uh, for sure. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on. Thank you. 
question mark thank for you. coming on thank you uh, <laughs> i appreciate it. I, all your spicy takes will actually will did uh, jeff have enough spicy takes for this episode I, you know, I'm going to say he. I was a little, I was a little disappointed in the first half, but second half he pulled through with the most nuclear spicy take of the year so far for me. Perfect. Um, I expect next time I'm in that shop that motion smoothing is on on that TV, uh, Adam. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I don't even. This TV is a little too old for motion. I want some mad, mad interpolated frames. Oh y- you know, when 90% of what plays on my TV in the living room is bluey, it looks way better with motion. Oh my on. god. Oh, but those new episodes are hot, are fire. And uh, thank you to Silverstone for for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, no interpolation on the uh, this icy mist cooler right here. Right, Silverstone might drop okay. you after that. Yeah, right. Your finger yeah. okay, Adam? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's just got a little little cut. That's fine. Uh, and uh, thank you, Willis, for controlling the verticals and horizontals. Get us the hell out of here. We're not uh, talking about motion smoothing anymore. Oh boy, okay, we gotta go, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I need to get a first aid kit for Adam now, just to make sure that he's okay. Uh, thank you for, uh, yeah, tuning in with us. We'll check, we'll see you next time. Bye.